This episode is brought to you by Casper. Get $50 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash WWBM and using promo code WWBM at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to Watching Westworld, the officially unofficial podcast for Westworld on HBO. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 2, Episode 8, titled Kiksuya. Uh, we've seen it twice now, or at least twice. Uh, I've seen it three times. What did you think of this episode after further viewing? I Yeah, I, I uh, further viewings only deepen my appreciation for the art behind the making of the thing, for the story, for like what it revealed about the larger world. Um it was really a shot in the arm for this. Uh, like, like I-, I was thinking, you know, actually, we're just talking about this before we turn on the cameras. Like, what if The Walking Dead could just do an episode like this once a season? <laughs> uh-huh. Like, it really would change no. your. It would really change your whole attitude about the show. I think that it was like you know capable of this, and Westworld is mm-hmm. capable of this, and it's not a lot of shows that are. Uh, yeah, no, I, I agree. This is a really good episode that kind of brings together a lot of... Uh, it kind of brings the season together in a way that felt missing um, from season two almost entirely for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, which we, is... Which is this idea of telling a straight-ahead narrative that is going to oh, really okay. connect emotionally with me. Because I was thinking it's also like I finally feel like I've got a protagonist again that yes. I can be like, this uh-huh. guy is righteous and and I can get behind him. Yeah. Whereas like Dolores is puzzling and Maeve is kind of stalled out, but like this guy mm-hmm. is is the new hotness. Yeah, no, it it seems like he is the kinder, gentler version or combination of like Dolores and Maeve in a weird right. way. Like he's definitely searching for that door and he wants to get out, but at the same time, he is not he's not just going around killing people right. for his ends, um, which I appreciated. And and there's you know a lot of connection between him and Maeve that we'll talk about. Uh, but yeah, I I couldn't help on second and third viewings thinking how much this episode felt appropriately like folklore, mm-hmm. like sitting around a campfire telling a story. Right. And it is. I mean, that's what it is. It's a very straight ahead thing. You know? in, in, in fact, if, if uh, I was going to make this point next that like from a meta meta perspective, like it's interesting that Akichida's uh, arc is kind of like this monomyth, right? It's mm-hmm. like Joseph Campbellian thing, and it's very, like, you know, he, he's got the backstory of a stereotypically uh, motivated uh, uh, Hollywood villain, like a really well-written one. Like, he's essentially like a Magneto, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's fucked up, he's doing some fucked up things, but he's got legitimate rights to be angry. But, like, they're, they're not real, yeah, like, and and he's aware of it. Like, I'm playing this part of a bad guy, and because my wife was taken from me, and I'm angry and aggressive, and I don't understand it. And it's so stripped down, and just like it's bare essential. Like, like I said, monomyth. This this archetypes mm-hmm. that they're playing with, but that feels exactly like the kind of real character, a robot that it does get prog- programmed, reprogrammed against his wor- uh, will several different times. Like, it's it's such a such a like a like a bare Hollywood kind of tropey character, but it feels real and lived in because of this weird world that Joy and Nolan have created. And yeah, I, I thought yeah. that is so cool because it works on both levels simultaneously. 
Yeah, I mean, the storytelling they're doing here is not difficult, but it right. is effective. Right. And that's probably the most important thing. Yeah. It is incredibly effective because, like, it's not I, – I, I, as I mentioned on the Instant Podcast or the Instant Take, Talk, whatever, uh, I, I connected to Akichita's story in a way that I haven't connected to one of the host stories, yeah. I think, this entire season. Yeah. Um, and that's that's good. That's good. And the idea that this is, I think they're trying to tell us that this is a protagonist that's absolutely free of Ford's taint. Um, other Seems than like it. other than maybe a vague prophecy that he gave him as like a, a, a little bit of light in his dark world. Um, I think that's mm-hmm. a really exciting idea because you know we keep, we've been debating since the beginning of the season how much Dolores is really on her own thing and how much Maeve is really on her own thing. Well, here's a person who has been on his own thing. At least that's how I understand it, mm-hmm. and that's that's very exciting. It is. Uh, I do find it funny that the the very same people who are so quick to defend the the timey wimey bullshit that's happening in this show mm-hmm. and that gets in the way of huge character moments like this and emotional yeah. impact yeah. are calling this the best episode of mm-hmm. of the series and it's like yes yes i mean that's the point that we've been trying to make is when they go ahead and tell a straightforward narrative right. that's impactful and emotionally connecting it works so much right. better than like trying to figure out in every single moment who's who and where they are, when they are. Right. Like all that stuff gets in the way of what is in this episode a really impactful emotional story. Right. And there is almost zero action of consequence. There is Akicha sure. butchering people, but it's like the same thing. There is no why is Akicha there butchering these settlers? Mm-hmm. You don't know. No. You don't care. It's not important. So it and it, it it repeats like several times. It's it's not even the point, the the violence isn't the point. That's just the beat of the story they're trying to hit, and I think that's what they 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 either have to they have to the the do action that that actually means something better, or they need to more abstract it, like they mm-hmm. did where they crank up the opera, or I can this where this isn't the idea of uh, violence isn't even like a means to an end or a tool. It's just a, a way to express them, and like it's it's funny mm-hmm. like to see Akicha to say. You know, I knew I had to go back to my old path to meet my death, you know, essentially, to yeah. let, a, you know, one of these stupid guests kill me. Um, you know, that was the evolution, and that's the growth. It had nothing to do with the action, and mm-hmm. but but it, it looks good, you know? Yeah, and, and I don't think, like, this this idea of the timeline shenanigans and, you know, a very linear masterpiece of a story, as people are calling it, are, like, mutually exclusive. I think both can be done well. Sure. But it should make you stop and think a little bit about what your priorities are when you watch this show. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and for me, it's always the the character development and the storytelling, not necessarily the trickery. Yeah. And I think this show tries to do... Because, like, you know... I think of, like, triumphs of, like, really tight plotting and storytelling, and I think of, like, Godfather, and I think of, like, triumphs of visual storytelling, and I think of, like, Lawrence of Arabia. Hmm. And, like, Westworld tries to do them both and then throw in some sci-fi, like, you know, mind blowers in there as well. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of, I guess, amazing it hangs together as well as it does. <laughs> I, I, yeah. Two episodes ago, I'm, I'm going to predict, like I said on the Instant Talk podcast, I'm going to predict that my final evaluation for this season is it's a great season of television, but it was seven episodes in a ten episode sack. They're yeah, just, we'll they're just, there was just, there, there's just a little thin parts, and that's the parts where we got impatient. That's where we started tapping our toe, mm-hmm. and to connect those tissues together, they threw in a couple kind of hokey action scenes that that weren't great either, and maybe. 
maybe uh, now that we've got this pace and now that we've transitioned from the idea of the world to the actual four or five year plan they've got, this will be like a one term kind of like transition stumble, and then the rest will will be uniformly excellent. We'll see, or maybe. Maybe that's what Westworld will be. It'll be a couple yeah. of frustrating episodes where we don't really know where they're going until everything comes into focus. Because, goddamn, that's been the first two episodes, seasons. Yeah, and season one, uh, by all accounts, or, or in my opinion anyway, yeah. was excellent at the end. Yes. You know, it all came together in an incredibly satisfying way. But there um, were certain times And along times the where... road, there were some rocks, you know, yes. um, some bumps. But, yeah. yeah, we got there. And I think they'll pull it all together at the end of season two as well. So, yeah, yeah. Looking forward to that. Do you want to talk about the title of the episode, Kiksuya? Uh I like I, I mentioned on the instant talk, uh that is the Lakota word for remember. Yeah. Uh, which obviously. Right. I mean that seems like the perfect word for this episode. And I thought I caught the episode title a few times when he's in that scene trying to make his wife remember. Uh-huh. Like yeah. I think that was one of the things he was he he was he was saying um I, you know that's the other thing is I think a lot of the reason this worked is because uh and it was so I mean, it, what I appreciate about, I don't know why I want to say this, is like how like Lisa and, and Jonathan obviously did not sweat the details of a lot of action sequences, but they really sweated the details of this episode. There's only like 2,000 Lakota speakers left in the whole fucking planet hmm. to come up with an hour of television that's 90% this language, uh, and you get a, a person who is raised on a Lakota reservation and like obviously has to be pretty imp- pretty incredible and impactful to tell this kind of important story and a big budget thing mm-hmm. that's like really representing his culture and how much like you know like pride and connection there like that all pours through the work like when you really sweat those details it, you you got a, a, a very amazing product something that i've never seen before like like hearing the like uh, i was trying to like I, I felt like i really fucking fell flat on my dick trying to express this on the instant talk <laughs> podcast but like that's what the second takes are for the sheer pleasure of just hearing this language and its rhythms and like the dream and, and how well it suits like this 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 dreamlike quality and, and how like the this particular culture of these particular plains indians fit like the storytelling of this show like hand in glove we talked about mm-hmm. the 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 you know the man in the maze last year and the white buffaloes come up in our theory crafting this year uh and and how like relevant that feels to like a cutting edge ai mm-hmm. story i i think it's beautiful and they really had to fucking sweat the details to make that work and not have it come across as clumsy or appropriative or anything like that and my hat's off to them because it's a beautiful thing i've never seen before yeah and it 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 almost makes me think that the title of this episode uh, being Remember in English almost makes me think that that's the key to the awareness that the hosts have now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it doesn't have anything to do with, like, you know, secret code words that you say to them or suffering necessarily. It's all about that memory. Right. Because um, there's a lot of stuff in this episode that, that explains that. But it seems to me that remembering Kahona, uh, Kohana? Kohana. Uh this episode was the thing that kind of triggered his awareness. You know, talking with Logan, remembering Logan, right? The maze was part in there too, which I really want to dig in with you. Cause yeah, I'm... but remembering the maze. Like he, he, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the maze was like a thing that confused him and he couldn't quite find the answers, but then he remembered it later on right. in his second life. Yeah, it felt to me like remember was the perfect And word it's like for this. the true purpose of the like the the word meme, you know, it's not just mm-hmm. the, yeah. the shit that your aunt shares on Facebook. <laughs> it's like the idea that this is 
like genetic material mm-hmm. only mentally and culturally um that 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 is important and foundational and and can can have its own evolution yeah. just like genes can like i think that was a very that a great a great way to it continues to be a great way to make the point and you can argue about whether it's quotes from Ju- uh, Romeo and Juliet or it's the physical imagery of the maze yeah. or it's flies or music or, or music yeah. or anything like that but like it's I, I just find that shit really linguistically interesting in the same way that like you know I think we both like Pontypool yeah which if you haven't seen Pontypool you should check that out it's a it's a really interesting take on like a, a zombie virus that's that's um mimetic rather mm-hmm. than like viral or came from space or whatever fucking government nerve agent gone wrong um i i really like that stuff the idea that words have power words have meaning thoughts you know yeah. can drive action and shape culture um and check out arrival too arrival has arrivals another great there great with, concept yeah and you know it's so crazy is like i and i i, I feel like such a fucking hack to keep doing this but i'm going to keep doing it like <laughs> I, I read about ten percent of, e- of the book *Sapiens* every time. Oh like, god! In a week. Oh, no. But it's like I swear to God, it's like I feel like it's a companion piece of this show because it 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 begs you to think about those kind of things. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it, it it sounds like that book encompasses all of humanity's experience, so it's hard not to relate it to something. Sure. Every week, you know. Sure. But uh, all yeah. right. Well, maybe we should get into the recap. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. Before we get into the hardcore episode discussion. Uh, I want to talk about stuff going on here at baldmove.com. Uh, something that might perk up the ears of our Westworld fans is we're going to do a live watch of the original Westworld. The movie. The movie. Yeah. Uh, uh, 9 p.m. on next Wednesday, June 20th. That is June 20th, right? I just want to make sure. June 20th, yes. Next Wednesday, June 20th at 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh, we're going to live watch. We're going to uh, – we got a copy that we've procured from Amazon. Uh, you can – you know, get yours there. If you've got an old DVD or whatever, uh, we're going to be watching that. If you go to baldmove.com, we'll have a, a YouTube kind of hangout that we're going to be broadcasting uh, our commentary. I've seen it. I saw it right before we watched Westworld uh, season one. You have never seen it, right? I haven't, no. So it should be interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you've never seen one of our live watches before, they're not entirely serious. And, like, I don't think this is an entirely serious movie. Uh, it's a lot of kind of, like, just poking fun at the movie and just gen- general talking and kind of like a, you know, a riff tracks, Mystery Science Theater kind of experience. Yeah. Um, but I'm looking forward to it. It should be a lot of fun. Uh, stay tuned to baldmove.com for the link for that. But it's going to happen next Wednesday, June 20th, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, of course, we also have an expanse, an expanse <laughs> podcast coming out later this week. Um, <laughs> That's how Avra Sarla would pronounce she it. Would. She would. Because she'd... I'm watching the expanse. Whatever I goddamn like. Uh, <laughs> expanse, man. The expanse is on fire this this season, dude. The expanse is so good. It's such. If if you like, I mean, I'm I'm talking to you on a science fiction show, so I know you like science fiction. Mm-hmm. If you're scared off by the expanse because it's produced by sci-fi. Uh, first of all, that's 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 uh, that that's some soft bigotry of low sci-fi expectations, which I shared up until recently. Uh, and also, <laughs> season four is going to be on Amazon, so yeah. you don't have to worry about it. It's excellent. Check it out. It's going to be out later this week on BaldMove.com. Uh, we also wrapped up our playthrough of Detroit Become Human on Twitch.tv/BaldMove. If you go there, you can still see the archives for it. Um, you know, when Jim and I try to play through a game, these like telltale story driven games, we try to take the path less taken. 
Uh, we try to give you the the dark underbelly that that no one gets to see. We we succeeded beyond my wildest dreams. We got uh, less than one percent of players worldwide saw the <laughs> ending that we saw. Yeah, that's not hyperbole. The game itself tracks the t- statistics. Less than one percent of players got to see what we saw, which was just just ludicrous <laughs> and insane. Uh, we did an hour's worth of robot chores. Uh, <laughs> We 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 ended up killing uh, a, quite by accident or negligent, negligence a small girl. We led a robot rebellion and then brutally put it down with another robot. Uh-huh. We were we were we were Dolores and the dude from Blade Runner all rolled up. We're Deckard and Dolores all rolled into one. Uh, Twitch.tv slash bald move. I don't know what the next thing we're going to be doing on Twitch, but that's that's where that's where we do it at Twitch.tv slash bald move. Uh, check all all that stuff out. All right, we start off with the man in black. He's trying not to die. He's crawling towards a stream where he's picked up by a Ketchida who takes him back to his camp for some kind of torture, potentially. Right. And he looks over at Maeve's daughter, and we flash back. And let me say, this is going to be a somewhat unconventional recap because it's very hard to recap without this episode without just telling a, a Ketchida's entire story in one chunk. Because some of these scenes last five, ten minutes, but they can be summed up in less than a sentence. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to do my best. I'm going to break where I think like I have something interesting to talk about. And then if you want me to break somewhere, I will All as right. well. Uh, I have to say, when uh, Akicha comes up and he says, you know, alive, good, mm-hmm. and then he says, I remember you, that's never what the man in black wants to hear ever yeah because right. every time someone remembers him it's for all the horrible things he's done yeah and it's also it's also meaningly coming from akichita because he previously told Stubbs that you live as long as the last person remembers you uh, like yeah. i mean i've got some ideas in the theory crafting section of the podcast but like i think you're supposed to, that's 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 impactful when this guy who said that also says i remember you mm-hmm. um it's 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 got some kind of power in this context um i also thought it was really cool how they visualize like this man in black who's like this very tough guy like you know like you know we we usually see the like you know don't you do it you can't fucking die right now you got too much to live for and the guy gets a second wind uh-huh. here it's like nope nope it's you're dying pretty dude. Impotent, yeah yeah you're like there's only so much your mind can do and i feel like that's something that people trick themselves into thinking like well if you're a sufficiently strong-willed mm-hmm you know, it's it's very like uh, that. There will be blood. Like falls mm-hmm. down, mine shot, breaks his back. He get gets up out of sheer force of will. But on the other hand, your biology can fuck you over. And I thought that was that was that was interesting because I was geared up for him to like have the second wind, throw himself in the river, float downstream, and then mm-hmm. you know be the place he needs to be next time. But nah, he's he's going to get shanghaied uh, by Akichita. Yeah, and there are a lot of parallels here to both real life stuff and also stuff that happens later in the episode like i mean william in this scene is is just crawling like a dog to his death you know like he's and there's looking a, for a place to die there's here. a lot of that kind of lyrical imagery yes. where the settler crawl like the settler host yeah, crawling away I mean. from akichita uh, akichita crawling away mm-hmm. from some kind of you know hostile wound he took at some point like there's a lot yeah. of this struggling in the dirt to maintain life this hard scrabbled existence yeah and with very different goals right the man in black right. um 
is essentially spreading this disease that he has that Akechita talks about later. And he's kind of... Uh, whereas Akechita is... He's looking for a lost love. You know, he's trying to escape right. the, the existence, the slavery that he's in. So Yeah, someone... Uh, something else I want to frame in the beginning of this discussion because I thought there was an interesting, like, defense that I don't think the Man in Black really needed on Reddit. Like, you know, everybody's shitting on the Man in Black, blah, blah, blah. Here's why he's still cool. It's like, yeah, of course. Um... That that someone made the point that Akichita and Man in Black are like binary opposites, and that the Man in Black fell to darkness when his illusion was shattered by reality when he went up to Dolores and she didn't remember him, mm-hmm. and Akichita's darkness led to light when his you know reality became an illusion when he found his wife was replaced by a ghost when he when he went down into the depths of the earth to reclaim her and found out that she's just this husk. I thought that's that's very intentionally yin and yang um and the fact that like you know william is clad in all black and akechita when or akechita when he's in his real his realist self is you know clad in very neutral warm colors that's that's intentional yeah these people are on the, the, the these guys are on opposite trajectories uh but in, in exactly inverted circumstances that led them there it was all love and you know but like Akicha had the the profound insight that his that his condition was a is a selfish one, a fundamentally selfish one. That he's only thinking about himself and his own losses. Where mm-hmm. William seemed like he just retreated and just felt sorry for himself and just brooded on that for for decades and became the man he was. Yeah. Uh, okay, so we flash back to a tea party where Maeve's daughter gives her a rock painted with the maze, which Akicha gave her. Yeah, yeah, in blood. I mean, this is like. <laughs> No wonder she was fucking scared, right? Like this, this yeah. I get in this crazy world, looking native can be misunderstood, yeah. but maybe not hand the little girl a rock carved in blood, dude. Exactly. Yeah, painted with some crazy symbol that she. Yeah, that's how we comfort children in the Lakota uh, the tribe. You know, this is how we scare parents too. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah. So he also gives her a message that he'd be watching her, mm-hmm. uh, which also is creepy. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we flash forward to Lee and Maeve. She's dying, and Lee screams at the tech to save her because she has special mind powers. Yep. Uh, this is interesting because Lee is saving Maeve's life here, but at what cost? Because we see at the end of the episode, they realize the potential of Maeve. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think Lee might be dooming her to become the weapon of her own people's destruction. <laughs> And it would make sense to introduce a character, because, like, Maeve has always been, or at least, and I think in all season two, has been the more sympathetic protagonist. Easily. Over Dolores. But we saw, you know, Dolores warned Maeve that the consequence of her actions might be that she becomes enslaved and her power used against her own people. Mm -hmm. Um so if if we if that's if that's what happens to Maeve, if she's going to become like this antichrist figure in the series, then we need a person like Akicha to, to kind of like continue, you know, to hand off that that protagonist baton to, because otherwise sure. we're about to be fresh out. You got Bernard, but even he is more of a puppet than a true protagonist. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, until and as long as Ford is alive in this world and inside his skull, like Bernard's never going to be free. Where Akichita does feel free. Yeah, I just think it's extra tragic that Lee is doing what he needs to do to save Maeve, to save right. someone that he's come to love, I guess. Right. Uh, but it's going to have a real serious cost to it. Yeah, and I do think it's, it leaves it also interesting from the, the standpoint that, like, he wrote Hector as a bit of a Mary Sue. Like, this is the kind of man mm-hmm. I wish yeah. I was, uh, like an anti-hero, but, like, with a heart of gold. And now 
you know, Hector's nowhere to be found. Lee is here for Maeve, but is this what is this what a guy like Lee looks like when he's trying to be a guy like Hector, or does he does he have a final transformation where he fully becomes a Hector figure and saves Maeve? Uh, I don't know. It doesn't seem like it. it. Seems like he's going to be content to just like, well, I tried, and <laughs> I don't. I don't read it as well. I tried. I think he's doing everything in his power to save her. I mean, this torpedo Hector tech, couldn't do a damn thing here either. This torpedo tech orders him. I mean, orders him out of the room, and it's like, okay, like, why do I listen to you? Mm-hmm. Do you see this place? The lights aren't even on. Fuck your rules. Fuck your order. I'm going to stay with her until whatever. Like, I, well, I guess we'll see what he does next. That could be you know? that could be foolish because he could be thrown in a brig and then he can't do anything later. So, I, I like I said, I expect there's going to be a late third act heroic that mm-hmm. kind of like yeah. redeems the torpy. He's going to ride in on a buffalo and sure. kill that tech. Or his beer, yeah, he's going to ride in on his mule and uh-huh. and and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> dump coffee beans it's, on his It's head. the freshest of ground coffee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but who knows? Who knows? Uh, but I, I do expect that. Um, All right. Here is where things start to get uh, uh, a little clumpy in the review or, mm-hmm. or in the recap. So in his camp, Akechida begins to tell Maeve's daughter his origin story. And he describes it as once having a life with the woman he loved but at some point he stumbled upon Wyatt's massacre and he found the maze. Stop me if you want to talk about yeah, that. Yeah, let me stop because <laughs> okay. I, I want to frame something here because uh-huh. Rob last in, in the Instant Talk podcast said, does it map that the English was spoken for the daughter and the Lakota was spoken for Maeve? <laughs> well, I'm glad you brought this up. Okay, so I wanted to get in the, and I found in my rewatches that it maps exactly. It feels like that's exactly what they were going for and kudos to you, Rob, for catching that within 15 minutes of the thing being well, aired. Th- th- it's funny because I wrote down every English sentence yeah. uh, that was spoken by Ketchida to Maeve's daughter. Yeah. Here's what he would have said to her. Uh-huh. Uh, the stuff that she would are have you, understood are as you afraid an of English me? speaker. Are you afraid of me? She looks over at the man in black. He can't hurt you. And then, like, scenes and scenes Yeah, like go the rest on. of the episode. Like, and ten then... minutes of dialogue that she's not understanding, potentially. And then he says, but on my darkest day, you helped me. You gave me strength to keep going. You saw me for who I really was. Then more scenes. Because that's, that was directly addressed to his daughter and, like, the thing. Yeah. That, so... And then he says, don't be afraid. It's time to go. I've always kept you safe, and I always will. So my question is, I don't, I don't know that that felt unnatural for, like, a 9- or 10-year-old girl who's in that situation. To, to sit there for 10 minutes while someone speaks in a language that she doesn't understand, and then... Because she's scared and disoriented. What is she going to say? Every once in a while says something that makes no sense because it's entirely out I get of context. It. I get it, but I was ready to roll with it because I don't know what a I natural... Yeah. I just thought it was hilarious that, like... If you do a one-to-one mapping, it makes no damn sense. Right? Ever. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that's the conceit. That is the yeah, conceit. Yeah. And there's yeah. like, there's I, I. Hey, I still have a pretty big problems with this episode. It's just you do. Yeah. Oh, with the, with the oh, tech scenes. Oh, okay. yeah. yeah. But but the the barrier of me bitching is going to be much higher because I was ready to go with this episode mm-hmm. because the overall thrust I was like. Not just what well, I was hungry for. Yeah. This was, I was a starving man at a Chinese buffet. And I know or a, a Japanese people... steakhouse, if we want to continue that metaphor. <laughs> uh-huh. And I was getting my, I was getting <laughs> my bocce. Were you getting, I was the, getting my the... teriyaki steak and my yum uh-huh. yum sauce. Egg, yeah. egg chunks thrown at your face. Yeah. And I was, I was clapping like a seal and begging for more. Uh, and I know a lot of people right now are screaming into their, the, uh-huh. the oblivion that is the, the, the void podcast. between me and them. Uh-huh. Uh, that Maeve was listening. 
and, and that potentially Maeve could have had her daughter understand all this. Yes. But then it doesn't make sense for him to switch languages. Right. So I, what I do you want here? It, I, it doesn't make logical right. sense. I also it's, think it's that an that's, artful storytelling. That's You're supposed to understand that, like, I, I think you've you got to understand that that Akichita can manipulate or or hear things on the mesh network that so he's not quite at Maeve's level but he's certainly mm-hmm. at, got some kind of like I guess he would see it as a spiritual connection to the mesh network that he can hear like like Maeve can hear and eavesdrop on anybody but are they necessarily aware that's happening Akichita is so he is I think that's indicated by the end of this episode where he speaks exactly. directly. Exactly, it's Maeve. very, and I know. I think uh, yeah. we both kind of were not sure about that point. Oh, it's but plain. it's super clear yeah. in a second that uh-huh. he's like, you know, speaking directly to Maeve, and Maeve yeah. is drawing some kind of strength from it too, which I think is going to make the next two episodes. I'm not ready to count Maeve out yet. I think she's mm-hmm. going to have. I don't think she's going to turn be turning into some kind of mind slave for these people. No, all no, right, I really don't. We'll see. Uh, so he's he's obsessed with this maze, and he begins putting it onto a whole lot of things in the world. Uh, also, we got to notice all the fly buzzing motifs, like the flies, uh-huh. and like this goes back to Dolores talking about the blue tongue. Like the the flies are spreading some sort of self awareness infection. But but continue. Okay. Um, everyone thinks he's insane because he's putting the maze on everything. Yeah. Uh, he almost cracks the code of the voices in his head, but he's wiped before he can, and he's mm-hmm. repurposed for the grand opening's new narrative, and he's turned into a savage warrior. Now, when I say he's wiped, he's not entirely wiped. His right. attributes are changed a little. His aggression is pumped but up. They left all the old shit in. They changed him just enough to turn him into a he's new a, person. He's a one-man poltergeist. They, 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 moved the, they moved the headstones, but they left the bodies. Yeah, he. They didn't move the bodies, Jim. Well, bodies are hard to move. Bodies take time to move. He's a literal. In, he's a literal Indian graveyard, because they just tried to. Yeah, that's exactly what they're going for here. Hmm. Okay, I hadn't thought of it in those terms, but <laughs> I'll go with you. Uh, yeah, so he's he's slightly different, but all of his history is still there. Yes, they don't wipe his memories. Uh, which turns out to be the key uh, man, to that his awakening. line where it's when I was reborn, this time I came out breathing fire, and it just goes. And you, you see this, and you, like, you see him turn around in yeah. full and And forgive me for nation. fucking saping it up again, but one of the big thrusts of his first argument is that mankind's rejection of hunter-gatherer culture in favor of agriculture was like essentially a 10,000-year boondoggle mm-hmm. where we led measurably less pleasant and interesting lives to get to the age where we have cell phones and spaceships. Hmm. Like, we stayed hunter-gathering. That wouldn't ever happen, so our ceiling would have been lower, but our floor of misery would have been much, much higher. And you kind of, like, when I was watching that with that fresh in my mind, I'm like, this looks dope. Like, your friends and family are all around. You have to, mm-hmm. like, maybe hunt once or twice a week, and, you know, you can do arts and crafts and... And fucking fuck and and play cards or smoke your pie. Like, it does look like it, it's a better way to live. Mm-hmm. You look around, there's no other assholes around. It's just beautiful vistas. Like, you know, it's it's a little bit maybe, because, you know, there's also the idea that, like, a lot of the kids died and, you know, you didn't, you didn't brush your teeth, so you had excruciating tooth pain and, you know... Life could be br- like these these warm and and beautiful lives, or you could it could be brutish and short, but still, yeah. 
<laughs> it looked pretty good. And you contrast that with him and his like, you know, it's the same man, but like he looks so much more fiercer and and yeah, like a death god in that getup. It's an incredible, incredible vis- visual transformation. And when he killed that settler and like spread his blood, and it, he's like gives his performance. It's very Boris kind of Karloff performance from like the. Frankenstein or especially the mummy where he's almost given this like oh it's like it's like a heroin addict getting his rush yeah I was just like I just wrote my notes like goddamn. <laughs> now there's a lot of great work by Zahn in this episode yeah Zahn McLaren does a incredible job uh and we'll get to that I'll definitely talk about it in further it's all scenes. just a bunch of non-verbal performance because most yeah. of his lines are given in that kind of like dreamlike Lakota that he's speaking to Maeve's daughter yeah that so sort like of folklore the actual depths of his pathos he has to do in these little couple second vignettes and he's fucking nailing it yeah every time uh okay so his tribe ruled the land for a while uh seems like a long while until he came upon Logan who told him that this is the wrong world and that there's a way out. He described it, I, I guess, as a door uh, during a trade with, I, I guess it's a trade. It, it, it's hard to tell what the actual situation here is, but I'm going to talk about it in a second. Uh, he also saw Kohana, who does not recognize him, though he believed uh, that she, not this world, was his true home. It's, it's very poetic here, mm. uh, the terms he's using. Well, let's stick with this Logan scene for a minute. Yeah, yeah. First off, Logan's muttering about drowning, which, like, we get it. There's a flood coming. It's going to be, they're, 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 like, what, what possible he reason also muttered about be, fucking. Right. You, what, what, you, you fucking, fuck, fuck you, fucking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's, like, you know, that looks like he's super exposed. Now, why was Logan allowed to be out here? Like, does, does Westworld let you come to the brink of death? Because another day of that water, this guy looks I, like he's dead. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, did he sign an sp- extra special? You Like, I can't imagine a family would sign this kind of deal. Like, hey, we're going to stay right. in Sweetwater, but oh my God, I got kidnapped by Akichita. Now I'm tied to a cactus for three days, and they're not going to come out and get me until I'm about to die from exposure? Like, that, what? I don't know, man. It, I, I was a little confused by that. Yeah. As well as, like, Akichita leaving him there and saying your people will get you. You know, I'm not so fucking sure about that, Akichita. Right, right, right. He looks in a pretty bad way right now. I don't think Logan d- d- does either. But, like, the you know the uh, the words crack something open inside of me I think was interesting. And he does see his wife for the first time and remembers mm-hmm. her, but she doesn't remember him at the scene. You you were right. You were right. Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting. I think there's more going on with the, the tribe here because when he sees Akichita... Or, or sorry, when he sees uh, Kohana and he recognizes her, mm-hmm. the guy, uh, another guy comes up to him and says, stop looking at her. And they yeah, get in an argument. Too. Yeah. And then a woman comes up and says something like, uh, get back to your strays. Go, yeah. Go back to the strays. Which I think is the ghost nation dudes. Yeah. Like the so there's something complex, society. like complex relationship between the ghost nation and this tribe here. Right. Where it seems like ghost nation is part of this tribe but a right. part that a lot of people don't like it's the inauthentic part that ford jammed into the narrative right yeah obviously yeah but but also like within the narrative that they've constructed sure sure it seems like they're a yeah. little bit of outcasts yeah yeah but they're also still part of the tribe so it's pretty subtle yeah and they're doing trading it looks like they're trading like meat for corn is mm-hmm. what it looked like to me and not much of it like he gets like a dozen ears of corn and he trade a whole boar for that uh uh-huh. they don't yeah yeah, Kichita needs a study uh, 
barter math or something because <laughs> I guarantee it took a lot more effort to get that yeah. boar than it did to get the 12 years of corn. And probably a lot more calories in that, that boar. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a much more complete diet, let's say. Mm-hmm. See? The evils of farming. Akicha Tanu. <laughs> he knew. He did. You guys are su- you're fucking knit. You're, you're, you're tying yourself down to this agrarian agriculture. Mm. Nothing good will end up. And it. then the buffalo leave, and now where are you? Yep. Nowhere. Nowhere. Apparently there are bears and... And boars sure. all over the the desert. And Fords. And Fords. <laughs> Fords roaming the plains. Uh, I, I find it funny. There's there's a scene here where Akichida is like killing people, uh, oh. and he's about to slit the throat of this guy. And in the background, you can see two women like laughing and joking and twirling yeah, guns. I love it. It's a really hilarious and an oddly like disturbing touch yeah. that they put in there yeah. because these. Like, this is a very serious moment for Akicha. He's like, oh, my God, Becky, look at me twirl this gun, and this robot's having an existential crisis, right. and she has no idea. No, it's just the guest being guest, you it's, know? It's so, it's so, such a interesting contrast from the, like, banal to the exquisite, you know? I mean, it just shows you, like, this is grown-up Disneyland. Mm-hmm. Well, Disney World. This is not, like, something that all the guests take as seriously as the man in black or Emily. Or, yeah, of course, of course. You know? So I, I found that really cool. I did too. All right, then we move on to uh, Akicha looking again for Logan. Um, can't find him, but he does stumble on the door, which is a not-yet-constructed area of the park. Uh, he kidnaps Kohana. Um, he takes her to somewhere and recites the lines that they spoke to each other about their hearts right. uh, and that jogs her memory about their previous lives and then he takes her to where the door was but by that time the door is gone uh, eventually after a long time of searching for the door the techs found Kohana and they took her away and they replaced her with someone else a ghost as he describes it uh, let's stop here okay. uh, first of all uh, Zahn McLaren sneaking in by firelight in his full war paint like terrifying it was like just to, <laughs> you could literally only see the whites of his eyes in that one scene uh-huh. and it's like almost like a digital fucking effect it was um, the lighting and the makeup was uh, amazing mm-hmm. uh, his whole scene of him like literally cl- cleansing off the layers of bullshit that Ford added to him to be the man he originally was and then because uh, the first time I watched this, I'm like, I don't know how I feel about him. Because his wife's, like, you know, deluded, and she's, like, obviously not consenting to this abduction. And But as the second time I watched it, I was like, you know what this really reminds me of? Is, is like, when a family hires someone to abduct someone from a cult and, like, deprogram them. Mm-hmm. It's, like, a cross between that and, like, breaking a wild animal. Like, it was very, it was much more kind of like gentle and pleading than like demanding and like and and ultimately like if you buy that you know she the real who is the real version of this woman is it the original version is it the one that's been written rewritten so akichita is gone like Mm -hmm. i and i i really liked it because because like everything he does to to try to have her remember um i thought was was really beautiful um no, and I, I think it's interesting because, like, Ford's original grand opening narrative. Yes. Assuming he's the one who wrote it, yeah. which I think is somewhat safe to assume, uh-huh. uh, was a lot like a Lee narrative. Yeah. It was broad and, Straight up Cowboys and, and Indians. meant just to appeal to the basest instincts yep. of the humans visiting the park. Uh, he's certainly grown as a writer 
in the intervening 30 years. You're talking about Ford? Yeah. Like, is that, or is he let the stories yield to something that's actually real and organic? Well, I would call that growing as a writer. Touche. I mean, his, his, <laughs> he's definitely still writing the story. I mean, yeah. he wrote Dolores' part I, here, I also have a difference of opinion. Like, you said that they spent some indeterminate amount of time, which I guess indeterminate's fine. But, like, I took it as, like, a Kachita was a Kichita. God damn, that's, a, that's, that's really tough to, I've been saying it so long the wrong way. Um, that I, I feel like it's literally the, the the first day they got there and it's gone and he's like well now that I have my love with me there's nothing I can't do and then the very next day the text pick her up like he was like we, oh, are, yeah. we together we will find the door and lead us out of here and like just to have mm-hmm. that hope and then because like if he'd been there for like be. weeks or months, like maybe some other desperation would set in, and that's just just my like. There's nothing to prove me right or wrong here. I just I think it's yeah. m- slightly more tragic from a Kichita's standpoint too. If it happens now, that very night. The question I have is what is about what is special about a Kichita that the text don't? He's not on the text radar, and to me this. This is like my first big issue with the 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 story is they and and. But maybe it's the best way to do because every time they've actually tried to explicitly explain something, I haven't found it compelling. <laughs> but they just yeah. Delos is just an incompetent organization from top to fucking bottom, mm. and that goes to their versioning control and all that stuff. So this is just yet another story of dumb humans versus smart, self-aware robots, which I don't like. But that's what they're going for. Yeah, I don't have a good explanation for. Why Kicha is not also picked up. Yeah. I mean, it's got to be that he's, like, maybe the alpha versions didn't have tracking because it was a smaller-scale experiment. I'm not going like, to try and write this damn story I, for I, him, I know, you know? right? Like, yeah, fuck it. You're right. If they're not going to explain it, they don't You're care right. enough. It's not the, important the enough. The carries it, but, like, goddamn, yeah, yeah. there are some there are some <laughs> holes and things that don't make sense. Except for Delos is a, just a massively incompetent organization. Yeah, it seems like it. Uh, okay, I think I'm going crazy. Or I'm just seeing patterns where they don't exist. Doesn't look like anything to me, Jim. Faces where they don't exist. Maybe it's a ghost. <laughs> I don't know. But I think Justin Thoreau is in this episode. So when what? when Akicha is walking through the towns, they show like close-ups of a whole bunch of people like spitting and, mm-hmm, yeah, and giving right. him the side eye. Uh-huh. One of those people I think is Justin Thoreau with a big beard. Okay. I did not see that. And, and if – like I watched it a, a, several times. I – it looks like him, but it's in profile, and I can't really tell. Did you see? Did you see the cameraman fo- following Maeve? I did. Yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah, his big ponytail and hat. So and when, t-shirt. When you see Akicha to walk through the main street, and he's talking, it's, it's the part where he's saying, um, "I went in the many hostile towns." Yeah. At the extreme left l- bottom of the frame, you will see Maeve enter in her trademark purple and black dress Mm -hmm. and behind them is a camera guy and probably a director of photographer photography on a dolly or maybe it's a steady cam and it's just for a second or two but Mm -hmm. like they 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 doubled up they doubled up their filming and then i think the very next shot is justin throw so (laughs) there you go look for those there you go and tell me if i'm crazy uh Okay, let's get back on track here. When he here. said the truth, like because we're talking about like what he was saying to his wife by firelight in the the valley, the Great Valley, the 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 Valley Beyond, mm-hmm. where you get you know where Littlefoot got the tree stars. Uh, he says the true world is close I, and calling to us. I feel that now. Is that literally to be understood that he like like he can feel something different about this area because of the mesh network? 
Maybe oh. he can feel mm. what's on the other side of that door calling to him. Maybe. Which, which we, if you listen to our speculation podcast, maybe you can put two and two together and everybody else can be like, what? Um, no, it's evident that somewhere along the way he can yeah. use the mesh network to to understand or communicate or something. Yeah. And we there's there's a lot of standout of acting I think Zahn did in this episode, but like him sneaking back into his wife's tent, finding the ghost and that look of just sheer yep. horror as he's realizing what happened mm-hmm. um, is amazing. And I also like the ideas like I knew I could find about a long journey ahead and he knowingly says to Maeve, you know what I'm talking about because you know, Maeve has been on this long journey too. Like mm-hmm. we, the season one is her like fits and starts of understanding these texts and like hiding things under floorboards and rediscovering her past. And like it, like they, they're, they're kindred spirits in that way. Yeah, no, I mean the ending of this episode so closely ties them together. Um, and honestly ties everyone together in this story. Uh, I think it's beautiful, but we'll get there. Yeah. I, I, I also thought, um, you know, again, I'm highlighting all these things around the memory. Um, but he said, you know, when I had to fight for my life, because if, if I died, I'd lose her memory. Mm-hmm. Uh, from Akita's perspective, he is the last one that remembers his wife. Yeah. Um, everybody else, as far as he can tell, doesn't isn't woke. Now, that changes later in the episode, but I thought that was another, like, this is important to remember about memories and, and people's eternal life kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So to find Kohana, Kichida had to search the other side of death, where he woke up in the mesa, and he wandered down, just, you know, strolled down the halls, down to cold storage, where he found Kohana unresponsive, which mm-hmm. showed him that everyone was bound together by that that sense of loss, uh, which, you know, at the end of the episode will tie him and Maeve together as well. Yeah, and that this is the other standout moment, like, Oh my God! I mean, everything worked together. The heart-shaped box, mm-hmm. the, the 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 performance, the performance, from yeah. the bleak nature of the Westworld subterrain, and, and you know that the, he just kept going deeper and deeper until he found the cold storage. And then, you know, when he's talking about my pain and just how matter of fact he is about my pain being selfish was never only mine. Why his character mm-hmm. is just losing his shit? Yeah, um, I and just th- thought that was incredible, incredible. Yeah, like, I mean, seeing this person that he loves just frozen there, you know? It's such a preposterous image of this man in this loincloth and, like, feathers and <laughs> right. these, these knee-high boots down here with all these naked people of all shapes and sizes and mm-hmm. finding this one that he has a connection to. It's it's ridiculous, and it's like walking on that razor's edge of being ridiculous and just being funny, but it, it yeah. it's not. It's not, because just 30 minutes in this episode, they made... For through sheer force of writing and acting, they've made us care about this character we didn't give a shit about. Yeah. Oh, I want to go back to this. I just made a free association. Uh, is there the the, the the really cool thing about Akichita is like Dolores, he has been to the outside world mm-hmm. in yeah, a way that Logan. a lot of these hosts haven't. Like he was the one that first kind of seduced uh, Logan. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's important for us to keep in mind. I don't think we've discussed it. And I haven't seen oh, a lot that... of people even mention it. No, it's absolutely important because yeah. the reason why he searches for this door and believes so firmly that it's there is because right. he's seen Logan before in the outside world. But he doesn't – I don't think he quite realizes that. I don't think he oh, has – I think he does. You think he has memories yeah. of the outside uh-huh. world? I think... I think he has access to all of his memories mm, at that point. 
I'm not sure I agree with you, but I also don't have any ammunition to fight you. <laughs> well, well, I mean, I, I think he's exactly like Maeve in this moment. Like, when he wakes up in the Mesa, he has essentially but, overwritten that, that shutdown procedure just the exact same way that Maeve did. But Logan is the one that put the there he's in the wrong world into his. Now, I think that was uh-huh. always just like, like, you know, that was always just on the, the tip of his tongue or mm-hmm. like it was a fingerprint on his consciousness that he couldn't quite shake, but... I don't know if he explicitly remembers the the out the outside world, but I also love. I, I think he does. Also, to love to love the idea that he was talking to that uh, um, I forget the 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 elder woman, uh, wa wa wachapi. Um, he was talking about how like I I found your son and I can't bring him back. Here's his ponytail, but also. I, I can't bring him back, but I found the door and how to open a new one where our memories will be safe. I thought that was a beautiful and poetic way to put that. His dilemma is that because his loved ones will be safe. It's not. It's yeah. like it's like like uh, it might be too late to save all these people, but mm-hmm. like from here, I just want a place where my memory is not going to be actively fucked with. And what a yeah. I mean, like like what a pitiable and Kafka esque place to be for these 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 hosts, man. Mm-hmm. So. All right, somewhere right about here, Lee tells Maeve that she doesn't deserve what's happening to her and that he's sorry for it. Mm-hmm. And the tech who's working on her comes in and tells him that Maeve's code was special and what happens to her now is up to Hale, and then he sends Lee away. Uh, why are they vivisecting Maeve? Get closer, like, more direct access to her data stream? For, I don't fucking know, man. Yeah, like, the second time I watched I'm like, well, maybe they're flaying her neck open to see that she doesn't have the, like explosive neck bone or something in it but like hmm. it's not immediately apparent to me what they're trying to do by vivisecting her neck and her arm and, and all that it hmm. almost looks like just pointless medical experimentation but I think I don't know maybe that's the, the, the imagery is horrific just to understand that like you know she's being used against her will mm-hmm. um, I don't know what you, I mean it is horrific yeah I thought Lee's performance kind of weak kind of weak sauce I really? don't think I don't hmm. think this guy I think this guy was cast to do one thing and they're asking him to do the other and he's not quite doing it. I didn't have any problems with All it. All right. Well, there you go. Uh I, I like here this is w- with Lee's speech about, you know, you deserve to to be able to raise your daughter um and and you know, give her the love that she needs, that kind of thing. This is, yeah. It it became apparent to this me. This is very that, Sam talking to Frodo on the side of Mount Dune. Strawberries, Mr. Frodo. Don't you remember strawberries? And springtime and rosy yeah, hairy foot. And, bring him back from the brink. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. Maybe a little English guy crying always makes me think of Hobbits. <laughs> I think it does, yeah. That's where your problem's coming from. Don't worry, Lee. The Eagles are coming next episode. But you got to fight a spider. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, so... It made me realize that Akechida and Maeve are very much on the same path, right? Yeah, They're both looking right. for their lost gloves. They're mm-hmm. both, at some point, going to try and find this door. And that's the thing that is connecting them so poignantly at the end of this episode, is that through like telling, through enlightening Maeve with his story, he has done more than just tell her his story. Yeah. He's connected her story to his. Right. Which and that needed is so some, important, and then like you know, it, it, like he needed to do that because he'd put he'd he'd stepped he'd, he'd you know fucked his previous yeah. overtures to her up so badly. Right, the perception, the optics were not good, and also her memories were jumbled. Like clearly, yeah. clearly she got her memory of the mis- of the man in black um, 
killing her and her daughter jumbled up with Akechita just or Akechita just trying to keep an eye on her. Like, I don't think Akechita was part of the Man in Black killing her at this point. I think that was that's a memory fragment that was that was jumbled up and 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 misinterpreted by Maeve. So he had to do this long well, story. I'm wondering if it's not just that's how things went. Like the Man in Black rolled up at the so? same time that could be Akechita was trying to. But you Mark know what I'm saying? Like Maeve killed like, him. She got she got the sequence of events all uh, all fucked up, and uh-huh. and like Maeve intuitively got that Akane and her were the same. Yeah, she did not intuitively get to her and Akicha are the same, no. and he had to tell the story so that she would understand by the end, mm-hmm. and understand you know at the same time that her daughter is safe. Yes, with him or as safe so. as he can make her. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, so. Akichita dedicated his life to spreading the symbol. Uh, we're, we're back on his story now. So the others would eventually see and remember it. Uh, he hid it under the scalps of of his men. He drew it in Maeve's front yard, which she mistook for menacing. I love all this. By the way, this was this is filling in puzzle pieces yes. that I remember us saying that, like, I don't know that they have to explain this last up, last season, but it would be mm-hmm. nice because, like, why the hell did Maeve have the big maze carved in her front yard? Why in the hell is yeah. there this thing that's underneath the scalps? Like, they did a pretty good job of solving all that, and they didn't need to. Yeah, absolutely. And they answered the question, uh, what the hell did he mean when he said we're on the same path? You know, and it also makes me wonder what season one would have been like, and maybe this is part of the reason that the pacing is kind of screwed up, because, like, I feel like Kissy would have been revealed to Ben this Akichita character yeah. who had been reprogrammed to be the town drunk card player, you know, piano player, and that he would have this, like, noble background, and the guy just died on him. Yep. So now they have to fit, like... They wanted to bring all that stuff back around. They didn't have a full season of that, obviously, so they just, like... I, I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out why some of the season doesn't hang together as well as it should, but it does feel like they weren't ready to let this stuff go, and I'm glad they didn't, because it, it yeah. led to this episode. Um, yeah, I, I, I think this s- is an important episode to, like you said, filling in the gaps. Is Are we supposed to understand... Because I, I tried to probe this with you on the Instant Talk podcast, and I didn't quite get a satisfying answer of, like, what is the maze and its role in attaining consciousness because you mentioned yeah, that that's... that was something Bernard or Arnold gave to Dolores to explain how the journey to consciousness is a journey inward yeah. to understand all those layers and the bicameral mind etc cetera, etc cetera. but it does seem like it's also a trigger like just seeing it is a profoundly impactful thing for these robots. Is it like uh, someone mentioned on the Instant Talk podcast it being like a QR code mm-hmm. that like that you know is the opposite of this looks nothing. This looks this looks like everything to me. I'm is, not quite sure what it is, but yeah, it is, looks like is something. it a mimetic? Is the violent delights a mimetic? Is like what what the fuck's going on here? It's, it's really hard to say because they put so many in. I think of, it's kind of like contradictory too. Well, I think of the these sim- symbols that we've seen, this is the most likely to actually have an effect on on the hosts, right? I well, mean, it, it clearly has so, an effect on So does that mean that something that... Because, like, also later on, we haven't got here yet, but when Ford is butchering those braves and, like, scalping them all, he said something like, this is a piece that was supposed to be old and thrown away. Like, almost like there was some intention with Arnold to put something that would trigger a host consciousness or unlock that, like, maybe just, just unlocks the reveries or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I think... That's I think mysterious the, to me, the explanation of that is, you know, he he was given it. Arnold was given it by his son, right? 
or he saw his son playing with a, a maze-like thing. Yeah. And then he took it, and he, he that gave him the idea. He gave it to Dolores, right. and that kind of sparked her self-awareness. Uh, I'm, I mean, that seems pretty plain to me. Like it wasn't meant for. I just don't know how mechanic, stick around. I don't know how mechanically it works. I guess is the the thing I'm talking about. Oh yeah, I I have no idea. But it, it does seem to be an important symbol in the awakening of the hosts. So, in the flashback to another time, Maeve promises her daughter that nothing bad will happen to them, even though the ghost told her they're in danger and gave her this blood-covered rock with the maze and all that stuff. Told her, I'm watching you. And that's Maze's original promise. She's, she's made that promise before, and she wasn't yeah. able to keep, keep it. We'll see if she and can And she do can't hear time. either the man in black shows up and kills the, her daughter. Uh, yeah, it, it was a promise you couldn't keep, which is what, you know, Maeve, Maeve made the promise here. He's talking to, obviously, Maeve, not the daughter, when Akisha says that. Uh, so eventually, Akichida met Ford, who was curious about his attachment to the maze symbol. And Ford asks him some questions about it, and then he tells him to keep watching for when the Deathbringer comes, which we know is Dolores, uh, and then gather his people and head to the New World. And the Deathbringer returned and shot Ford in the head. Anything you want to talk about here with the bear and the... the- I- this is I know you haven't seen really the original striking. Westworld, but this is such a homage to the original. Like there's oh, scenes it? where the technicians are cleaning up the town at night, and they have these big like halo lights, and uh-huh. uh, and but this is like this is Ford reveling in his creation. Like he, this is like very late year Ford. Um, at like to me, this is him investigating what the hell is going on. Yes. Like he's already got his own ideas, and he's might maybe taking plans. Uh, and those things are taking shape with Dolores and Maeve, uh-huh. but like I got that this is him just like this is a quest for knowledge. He has he has no idea what's going on here, and he's asking Akicha to, to explain it and to to get answers out of him. And I thought I thought it was great. It's first of all, it's just a striking image of and like you mentioned at the beginning, like this feels like a mythos, like. The idea of this warrior wandering the desert and has a spirit quest where he meets God, mm-hmm. that's fucking cool. Yeah. And something that, like, maybe a Judeo-Christian mind would reject is, like, well, maybe not Judeo, because, like, Moses had the burning bush, but, uh-huh. like, like I, I I don't know. It, it felt like a myth. Like, that's exactly, like, what someone would come by and found the re- come back from and found the religion yeah. on. Um, no, I, I think it's interesting, too, because it's kind of... We can think back to the man in black and the discussion that he had with Ford. And I think the maze is mentioned, you know, certainly in season one, Ford knows about the maze and he says it's not for you, mm-hmm. that kind of thing uh, to the man in black. So this must be before then. Yeah. Because he's just kind of discovering the maze here right now. isn't yeah. he? Yeah. And the other thing I think is interesting is this explicitly makes a connection between I'm just going to put this out here for observation. Uh this explicitly makes a connection between the door and it being a game for both William and Akichita. And in in contrast also, to the maze that was only a game for the host and not William. So I think that is something you're supposed to under that that's something you're supposed to pay attention to. What's the I'm guess I'm not following you. What's the explicit man in black William connection be, here? Be, because well, it's not an explicit connection. It's like Ford said, this game is for you. And he oh, says okay, at the door, yeah. okay? Right. Akichita says that I have 
that 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 when when Ford asks him that you know puts him in analysis mode and he goes, my goal is to spread the truth. There isn't one world, but many. We live in the long wrong one. I'm trying to help. I'm trying to help my people find the door. It's the world. I'm just reading from my notes. The world that contains everything we've lost, including my wife. And Ford then says, you know, when the Deathbringer returns for me, gather people and lead them to the new world. So mm-hmm. he's explicit. Like I'm saying that's an explicit connection that the door is for both William and the hosts yeah. in a way that the maze wasn't last year, which I think is is an interesting, interesting clarification and might 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 be important for the future. Could be. Uh, okay, a catch it a story. A catch it a story is interrupted by Emily riding up to reclaim her father, and Akicha says that the man in black has a sickness that must be made, uh, and he must be made to suffer for spreading it. Emily agrees and ensures him that his fate will be much worse in her hands. Then she loads him on a horse and rides off, and Akicha tells Maeve's daughter that it's time to go. Emily speaks Lakota. I don't know if that's going to be like important to the plot at all to like discovering you know the the true nature of emily it is interesting because we first met william as he's as he's scalping kissy and saying that like ancient cultures have profound wisdom yeah but he didn't bother to learn their language whereas emily explicitly said that like i you know a lot of people ignored these people's storylines and that's a mistake like she's more william than william like she goes the extra step (laughs) Uh-huh. Um, I... Yeah, we still don't know. Like, we haven't unraveled the mystery of Emily yet. Yeah. If if there's a mystery to unravel, if it's not just a plain reading of it. Yeah, and I had this joke, like, what, I mean, what do you think Emily's going to do? What, what can hurt him worse than, than what Akichita had in mind? I... And what she's already fucking done to him, like right. blaming him for her mother's death, like I don't know. I mean, taking him from Westworld at this juncture seems like it yeah. would be a fate worse than death to him. But like, as I was humorously kind of thinking about an instant ta- the instant talk podcast, like, what would Akichita think about that? It's like if he follows yeah. them and he's like, "You fucking load him into a helicopter and taking him off." I just said that like the way off this world is too easy for him. I had fucking Flintstones are gonna shove up his pee hole. I was going to break every bone in his body. I was going to knock out all of his teeth and shove him one by one into his eye holes. Like, I had some plans for this guy, woman. It wasn't a metaphorical fate worse than death. It was going to be an actual fate worse than death. I remember this fucker. I haven't forgotten about him. I don't know if it would satisfy Akichida, but showing him that he's a host, maybe? I don't know. Sounds like theory crafting to me, Jim. Yeah. Uh, well, I assume people have listened to previous theory crafting things, mm. uh, but maybe that's not true. Anyway, the tech working on Maeve tells Hale that Maeve has somehow been able to gain admin access to the host and that she's using that right now to see through her own daughter's eyes uh, and hear through her ear holes. And Akichita tells Maeve that they will protect her daughter and find him or find them if she lives or die well. Uh, pretty powerful moment. Music really doing a lot of heavy lifting here. This uh, this is Jawadi's killing it. This and uh, Akichita finding Kohana in cold storage are the two defining moments of the episode. Yeah, uh, I think this brings the episode around in a very important way. Yeah, and it. Yeah, I. I mean, I've already kind of talked about, you know, what is going on here and why it's right. important and all that. Right. But, like, connecting those two characters so strongly is it, – it's what this entire episode has been building to. 
and they freaking nail the landing. Right. When he because he says to his daughter, her daughter, I've always kept you safe and I always will in English, but then he switched to Lakota, but I couldn't save you. And that's like how you know that he's talking to Maeve. Right. And, you know, one thing I might be wrong about in the instant talk is I said that I, I interpreted Hale as like, well, she's still doing it. And you see these commands flying by is that like she was maybe summoning all help to her. But it's a lot more just know she's having a conversation yeah. with with uh, Akichita. Mm-hmm. Now she might be doing the other thing too because the look on the end, the the look on her face at the end of the episode is not the look of someone who's going to die, who's going to give up. She sure, is definitely yeah. going to live to be reunited daughter or die well, and a, and you know dying well hopefully is an action scene that's not going to be fucking infuriating. Yeah, I hope. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I think I know what's going to happen, but it's some people might consider it spoilery, so I won't go into it. Okay. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack about because, like, she says in response, "Take my heart when you go," which yeah, yeah. is what his wife always said. And you know, it's not too, it's not, it's, a, it's judging by how many emails I got. It's a, it's a, it's a hop, skip, and a jump from that to, oh my god, Maeve is Akichita's wife in a Maeve body. And, oh fuck me! Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I feel like that's <laughs> maybe, maybe leaping too enthusiastically on a. Yeah, because yeah, because Maeve like she used a lot of the same terminology from like Akane and uh, Mac. What, what was the name of this? The Ronin uh, uh, Masashi. Uh, Masashi. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that she like like she was just connecting with their story and speaking in a way that would be meaningful to them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. No, I I think but. she in this moment takes on the feeling of that statement. You know, the sentiment yeah. of it, and she's using that to communicate efficiently and effectively to right. uh, a she's not revealing anything about her true inner nature here she's just yeah echoing the words that have been so powerful to him to yeah. express like, the like, feeling like this that story she has really feels. really touched her yeah uh as it's touched you know the vast majority of the people to watch this show like this yeah. thing got as close to universal praise as i've seen mm-hmm. from an episode Certainly. and especially in in when people were primed to kind of like you know there was a lot of Cinema within the fan community, they're like, oh, I'm getting tired of this bullshit, and blah, blah, blah. you know, and and not just from the fan community, from us too. Uh, yeah, but this thing is, is as close to a slam dunk as this show. It might, I mean, you know, two episodes ago, I kind of feel like it's like my, my favorite episode of all time because like it's just this standalone thing that was beautiful in execution from top to bottom. And for me, it's hard to beat the season one finale, but right. But we still have the finale. This is pretty damn good. Right. I will say that. Right. Right. Yeah. Like, like a lot of things came into focus, uh, which in the right hands could be an even more powerful finale for this season, but we'll have to see Mm -hmm. how it goes. I, I do think the character development that this episode does would have been, Maybe better serviced elsewhere in this season, or well, or more frequently in this uh, season. But I, yeah, because I I just don't like the parts where you where we're gonna look back in season two and say this really sagged, and I started tapping my feet and my fingers and just fucking waiting for something interesting to happen, character development wise. Th- those are the moments that needed to be filled with stuff like this. Instead of just more of the same stuff that wasn't quite doing it for us. I mean, I can't, you know, I, I, I obviously can't disprove that thesis, but I do suspect that this would have been lo- much less Im- impactful had it occurred over four or five episodes. And I, that's I'm not, not what usually I'm saying. one That's to say not that. at all what I'm saying. Okay. All I'm saying when I say that this episode would have been better somewhere else mm-hmm. is the character development that it does. Uh-huh. 
that connects us so emotionally to these characters is important to do throughout the season. You can't just do it once near the end of a second season and say, eh, we're good on character development. I think it's not frequent enough to keep me engaged emotionally with these characters. And that's why I I come back to the seven-episode thing, because I I feel like if this season was seven episodes long, you just cut the filler, you cut the stuff that was slightly treadmill-y or things that were felt like it was was retrotting things we already knew, that, like, you probably wouldn't say that because you Mm -hmm. wouldn't have the toe-tapping thing. So... I mean, I mean, that's probably true, but... I, I get what you're saying, and I, I'm usually the type of person that says, instead of these standalone episodes that are kind of like like, 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 like mini-contained um, unto the, the thing unto themselves, that it should be spread out, like, you know, th- throughout you, and to keep us engaged with that. But, like, to me, there's nothing wrong with the structure and keeping it concentrated. It's just that so much other... It wasn't the concentration. It was the, the dilution of the other episodes. So it wasn't that like okay. there's so much yeah, that I, the problem was that like uh, this was fine and structured. I think and you're stuck be... on this idea of me wanting to split this story into like five episodes or something, well, but, and that's well, not what I'm saying. I know what you're saying, but all. you're saying you want. I'm just saying like episode three, make it this episode, except you know more relevant to the plot at that point. It's tough though because what makes this episode work is where Maeve is at her plot too. That's what I'm saying. I'm, almost, not, I'm it, not talking about the plot though. I'm talking about literally just do some damn character development instead of six seven episodes of just plot building Mm -hmm. give me some damn character development somewhere in there all right that's all i'm saying uh so i I think this ending now that we know more about akichita recontextualizes some of the stuff that he said to characters in the past that has been very cryptic right yeah um when when he says you only live as long as the last person who remembers you to stubs i think that's important to him as a person mm-hmm. like he's trying That's what drives him like i can't die because then my wife will be gone right yeah um so so he's conveying something very important to himself to this other character i don't know really what the purpose is of doing that in the moment i have some like ideas. what is he trying to give give stubs here i have i actually i actually have uh what i think is a, a unique idea to okay. share in the the theory section i like it uh, the it's other thing—it's not a prediction. It's just a—it's an understanding. Yeah. The other big question I have is: Does this recontextualize or help us figure out why he wanted Lee? No, specifically. I still do not know. Other than okay, so like, it's so funny because a stupid game, uh, Detroit Become Human. Uh-huh. Uh huh. As I was watching this episode again this morning and like getting my notes together, because we just finished that and we, we we led a very violent robot rebellion that we also put down. Yeah. Uh, but I'm trying to understand if like maybe Akichita, your understand is like the good guy version of that. Like he wants a revolution, he wants to be free of this next world, but he also doesn't want to kill all humans. Or sure. Dolores yeah. is that, except for she wants to kill all humans mm-hmm. so him making sure that these people are safe is trying to show that like it's not it's, it's kind of like x-men versus the evil brotherhood of mutants it's it's professor yeah. xavier versus magneto like uh akichita is professor x and dolores is Mag- magneto and the thing about magneto is it's not that he's he's a bad he's a he's certainly a villain but he's a villain that you understand like mm-hmm. oh yeah if i'd grown up in a concentration camp and my my parents mm-hmm. were slaughtered and i was experimented on by nazi doctors ruthlessly i might have a dim view of humanity and i might want to do whatever is necessary to protect my people yeah it's 
I mean, it's it's not complicated. It's not necessarily revolutionary, but like you said, the execution is excellent, and it really it really connects emotionally. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's all I've got for this episode. Before we get to feedback, I wanted to mention this episode is brought to you by Casper, a sleep brand that makes expertly designed products to help you get your best rest one night at a time. You know, Jim, you spend a third of your life sleeping. It's true. I well, I feel pe- like I some aver- people a little more. I feel like I some average about one less. fifth. Honestly, I'm 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 beating the curve. Oh, really? But See, I'm I'm going I'm going for the record. You're going for the <laughs> yeah. record. Well, you can I, you can sleep forever right now. I can help you with that. Oh shit. Um. So if you're going to spend a third of your life sleeping, you should be comfortable, right? It makes yeah. sense. Um, we've both got Casper mattresses. Mm-hmm. I've been sleeping on mine for low these many years, probably going on five, four years easy at this point. You've had yours for about a year. How's it breaking A few in? months. A few months, and I'm, I'm really enjoying it. It's a very nice, uh, high-quality mattress. It's very it's, it's a little bit firm, which I like. It doesn't yeah. let me sink in and get all sweaty and feel like I'm being sucked into my <laughs> vortex of my own mattress. Yeah, I like it that it has that breathable design, especially in these summer months where it can get like, you know, 100 degrees and triple-digit humidity in Indi- uh, Indiana and Ohio. They're the same state. Essentially, yeah. yeah. They're the same geographic and temperate region. Uh, it, it, it keeps you cool, regulates your body temperature throughout the night. Uh, they also have a wide array of other products like pillows and sheets to ensure a better overall sleep experience. Um, and let me tell you, Sheets can contribute to your sleep comfort just as much as a bed can. If you're using those, throw out those old J.C. Penny flannels that your mom gave you in the '70s. Get get rid of those the the burlap sacks you got and 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 check out Casper because because they got them. They got the good stuff. Here's the other thing that I noticed when I got my Casper mattress. Yeah, that I was tired sleeping tired of sleeping on a machine designed mattress. Mm. Uh, a host just can't design a mattress to, no. to properly hug human curves. I, I don't care how how much they simulate it in the cradle. No. So Casper mattresses are designed for humans by humans to mimic the the human curves, providing very supportive comfort for all kinds of yeah, bodies. Machines take turns scalping each other. What do they know about comfort? Nothing. That's the opposite of comfort in my mind. Uh, they also, if uh, you know you are a host and it's not sleeping you and not hitting your robot body right, hassle-free returns if you're not completely satisfied. Uh, they deliver it right to your door in a small. How do they get that? Uh, how do they do that size box? Which is super important if like you live in an apartment and space is at a premium and you're oh, yeah. there, or just honestly anywhere. Like it's a hassle lugging mattresses around, mm-hmm. and the fact that they can cram it all into the size of like a pretty big suitcase, super handy with handles. With handles. Nice. <laughs> uh, free shipping and returns in the U.S. and Canada. Uh, you can be sure of your purchase with Casper's 100-night risk-free sleep-on-it trial. Where, where are you going to get that? Where are you, you going to get a better offer than that? You're not going to get it from your local mattress store. They're not going to let you take home a mattress for 100, 100 nights and sleep <laughs> on it. No. Sweat on it. Get all weird with it and then give it back to them. Mm. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Casper. Get $50 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash wwbm and using promo code wwbm at checkout terms and conditions apply this podcast also sponsored by a little company you might have heard of bald move uh at the club club.baldmove.com that's what makes all this magic happen you get a bunch of bonus features special audio special video features ad free feeds uh, you directly support what Jim and I are doing here within our independent podcast. Uh, and also, if you wanted to get in on that live watch of the original Westworld, the 1973 movie uh, starring Yule Brenner and a bunch of other people that I can't think of right now, 
You got to be a club member. That's a club only feature that's on baldmove.com. You have to have a club username and password to get access to it. You don't have to watch it live. It's a live watch, but you can watch any old time if you're a club uh, member. I think uh, if you are a Westworld fan, you will enjoy it. Uh, and you can sign up right now, club.baldmove.com, to make sure you got your stuff all good and ready for the live watch next week. Check it out, club.baldmove.com. Uh, we have lots of feedback. We do? Okay, cool. Uh, you can send us feedback, westworld at baldmove.com. Uh, starting off, uh, have a lot of corrections, as has become our want. Oh, shit. Uh, Nathan O., one of the first of many, many people to say, the first time we see Teddy and Dolores together, she is leaving to do something, and Teddy wants to tag along. And she says something like, well, you can if you can keep up. And then she rides out of town fast. This might be why Dolores goes flying by, then Teddy in the cradle sim. Yes, they are... Literally on the what happens if no one picks up her can of condensed milk arc. And I feel very fucking stupid for <laughs> mistaking that urgency for something else. Some secret agenda. Yes. Yes. Uh, we have another uh, correction or clarification. James H. Uh, when Bernard asks Ford why he, uh, Bernard, and Dolores need to be kept apart, Ford says that Dolores is not easily fooled. You guys were confused by this, but I don't find it cryptic at all. They firmly established that Dolores has been testing Bernard for fidelity for years. One of Ford's biggest secrets last season and this season is Bernard is not human. Pretty much the only one who could potentially see through that would be Dolores. I think keeping them apart is Ford's way of making sure Dolores doesn't let the cat out of the bag to others or to Bernard himself. See, Which I makes thought, perfect sense. No, but I thought she understood that he wasn't Arnold. Dolores? If yeah, if she's testing for fidelity, she knows the the gig here. She but knows then, the but, deal. But after she's done, Ford can just wipe her memory so she doesn't remember any of it. So I think that's the danger. If you get these guys too close together, she'll start revering him, and she'll start saying, you're not the man that I and then everything goes goes to shit. I don't, I don't understand how those two ideas are compatible, but okay. How? Do I mean, do you, I, if, you, if you don't want to, you I don't mean, have I, to. I don't but. want to belabor the point. I just think that she... In those moments where they're worried about her being too close to Bernard, already knows that he's huh. that he's a facsimile of Arnold. I assumed after that's the whole point of first the fidelity of all, test. I assume that like all that fidelity. And she shit, says no, that's not what he was like at all. So, right, right. I don't I don't know how those are compatible ideas, but okay, okay. Yeah, I, I, I don't I don't understand your disunderstanding enough okay. to explain it. So <laughs> yeah, let's yeah. move on. Uh, James G. from Delaware, you guys questioned the rules behind the robot's wokeness. In season one, we learned that only 10% of the hosts got the new update with the reveries, which is why they are key to remembering their own past, which is the key to understanding their own mm. suffering, which is the key to consciousness. Those that haven't been updated won't ever be woke. Uh, do you agree with that? Or I'm I'm not sure when it says a 10% got it, but... I mean, if I, that's the case. I then, remember yeah, that, that like the day, like. But what I don't remember is whether the reveries got pushed out to everyone, and also whether, because clearly Akitata did not have that reverie code, and he yeah. was able to figure it out himself. Like I think it might be an accelerant, hmm. um, but it's not required. It's not required. The fact that they can like imperfectly access their memories anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. It does seem that, like, yes, you... I mean, and, and this makes perfect sense because we had a feedbacker a couple weeks ago saying that, like, people with, like, short-term memory failure uh, essentially can't, like, like that they, they're, they have cognitive impairments, right? They can't, like, like, it makes them angry and afraid and... And they can't they can't learn or make any kind of plans. Like it's it's a it's a, it's a great way to keep a a, a race enslaved. 
mm. what would you say? If you can like destroy their ability to make long term plans or to even have hope or even to ha- understand those concepts. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I appreciate those. Uh, I appreciate those. I don't know if I agree if the with your statement the hosts that aren't updated will never be woke. Um, but the rest of the stuff seems like right on. Furthermore, Rob C shares something he got from Tallulah Riley, uh, Riley's Twitter, uh, who plays Angela. Mm-hmm. Uh, Angela's crown is not made of thorns. Uh, according to her tweet, it was a, actually a crown made from the blood encrusted finger bones of her victims. Oh, and Jesus. she has a gif of her, a close up on her forehead. And it does look like that's exactly what it is. Wow. So, not Jesus. Not Jesus. <laughs> um,. So Ray S. also was listening to your exit from the Instant Talk podcast this week, and I needed to drop some knowledge on you about my favorite group of words, which is those that describe the relation to things sequentially to other things. Uh, Rob, you left me, or Ray, you left me hanging here. I need to know what that word is. What's the word to describe these words? So I used the, 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 the episode I described as the penultimate penultimate. Uh-huh. He goes, the ultimate is the last, which everyone knows this. Penultimate is the second last, mm-hmm. which is relatively commonly known. Antipenultimate is the third last, and the pre-antipenultimate is the fourth last. <laughs> he goes, it actually, if you look it up, it goes Holy on more shit. than that, but the fourth the last has say. always been enough for me. So thank you for that. Uh, do you just keep on appending anti and pre Mm-hmm. Like, is it the ultimate pre-antipenultimate? Well, penultimate yeah, is the what fifth if last? What if you're talking about a sequence of a hundred things? Uh, the, the English language is there for you. It's no, just, the, the German language is there for you. They've got a single word. It's like 600 characters long, but it's there. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just the words. German's cheating because it's just the words smashed yeah. together. It's true. Right? Yeah. Just take the spaces out of the words and lay. You got a perfect word. To just, yeah, because it's a fucking sentence. Yep. You, you Teutonic assholes. <laughs> I am mostly German in my stock, so I can say that. Yeah. Uh, John G., I went back and watched the scene where Coughlin was first introduced. Stubbs meets him as they parachute in, and he says the line, you're Coughlin, and he says it like, Coughlin, not Coughlin. Two things. If you think I'm going to start a war with an Irishman over how to speak his language on this fucking podcast, you're out of your mind. That can't go well. Yeah. Two, maybe that's why uh, Coughlin instantly hated Stubbs, because he pronounced his name wrong. And maybe Stubbs was just fucking, too afraid to call him Coughlin. Fucking yank. Yeah. Uh, okay. I, that's 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 all of the meta criticism. <laughs> okay. On to the new stuff. Uh, Shlomo uh, was talking about the reason they really like this episode. What Westworld really excels at is the long explanation episode that slowly zooms out from the macro, so you understand what's been going on on up until this point. In season one, we all knew that William was the man in black, that the robots were becoming conscious, that Ford was somehow helping them along. While they did throw in some surprises, the finale didn't shock me as much as it made me feel satisfied and content. It's like finding that last piece of the puzzle somewhere on the floor. Putting it in doesn't really change the picture much, but its completion makes the whole puzzle make sense. I felt that way again this episode. It was beautifully shot, and what a great character piece. But it wasn't one shocking episode, even with the end with Maeve being the one he's talking to. Uh, the story went on and it filled in a little parts of the mystery. I just got a very contented feeling. They pulled out to the macro by zooming in on this one story, and in doing so, they completed their puzzle. There's still a lot more to fill in, but this episode has totally reinvigorated my belief that this team, or in this team, that for all their flaws, they really know how to reveal their narrative. Uh, I, 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 I agree with that. I don't have any, any yeah. beef with that, that, uh, that email. I think that is one of the things they do well, yes. That is an accurate description of the magic of Westworld. <laughs> uh, T-Mill, 
just finished my school year the way I always do by teaching ninth graders about Romeo and Juliet. This time, however, I was struck by how many times I've heard references to the play on Westworld. The most obvious being these violent delights have violent ends from Friar Lawrence, who I call Friar Larry, and that's why your students love you, Tara. Hmm. Uh, uses this line as well as the following lines at the end of the email to warn Romeo and Juliet before he marries them. In context of the play, the lines serve as a warning to the young lovers. The breakneck speed in which the lovers' relationship is moving will crash violently if they don't take time to slow down and do the small things needed to make the relationship work. At this point in the play, Romeo and Juliet have been nothing but impulsive in their blooming relationship. Predictably, it's the impulsiveness of these characters that lead to their own violent ends. Perhaps the phrase is used twofold. First, to wake the host, but to warn of impulsiveness, the impulsiveness that went into opening the park, the impulsiveness that takes over the people who visit the park, and the impulsiveness that overtakes the hosts as they gain their consciousness. Dolores. <laughs> that seems right on, I right? I mean, you could easily direct that at Maeve. She's pretty damn impulsive. I guess, yeah. Getting but off that train to go search for a daughter. But I feel like she. this season has been her pump on the brakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of sometimes frustratingly in a, in a narrative sense, but mm. also like... Hey, I don't know everything. Yeah. I need to open my ears and my eyes and see what's going on. Uh, she continues, other connections between RJ and Westworld are found, R- Romeo and Juliet, rather, and Westworld are found when you play the name game. Uh, the man, man in black is named William, like the playwright himself. Is he in charge of where this story goes? The man in black's wife is named Juliet. Her ends seem pretty violent. Juliet, the character, seems uh, commit suicide when she finds her Romeo dead. Perhaps this mirrors the motive for Julia, uh, Juliet Delos's suicide, too. Oh, interesting. Although I can't confirm this as a fact, a few Redditors have posted that Maeve is a stand-in for Mab. Uh, Romeo tells his friends he doesn't want to attend the Capulet Ball because he has a foreboding dream. In response, Mercutio tells the story of Queen Mab, a fairy who delivers dreams, impulses, and desires to the people as they speak. Now Maeve is quite literally the Queen Mab, sending impulses and desires to other hosts throughout the park. Which we've huh. talked to, in, uh, or we've talked about Queen Mab and Maeve in yeah. the the kind of like the lore or theory section of the podcast. But I thought this was pretty good textual analysis. Uh, anything or do you I wish I I knew more about Romeo and Juliet. So Jimmyo, oh Jimmyo, where fort thou art thou, Jimmyo? Yeah, uh, let let down gym, your hair. That's Romeo and Juliet. Jim yeah. by any name would, would still would still smell as sweet. <laughs> uh, CM Mill. Okay, the, the only thing I know about Romeo and Juliet is the Leonardo DiCaprio is the definitive Romeo. Sure, sure, and that. Uh, and Laguizmo Leguizamo <laughs> is the... Juliet. <laughs> no, it's Claire Danes. Claire Danes. Oh, that's right. I remember. Yeah. I forgot. Mm-hmm. I forgot. Fresh off her so-called teenage life. Yes. Um, hadn't quite gone full Carrie Matherson crazy yet. Uh, CM Mills got... This is representative of the small but vocal negative feedback I got into the pod, uh, to the podcast, and I saw also on Reddit. So congratulations. You're, you're the standard bearer for the... Hey, now wait a minute, faction. Also known as the wrong. The, <laughs> the wrong. Hell, oh, you're going to go haters after the weeks we've had? I'm just what fucking, the hell I'm are just you doing, fucking man? with you guys. Uh, CM Mill says, are we just going to ignore that this was an hour of narration? I agree with the general consensus that this was a good episode of television. But that said, I can't bring myself to agree with the idea that this was some masterful episode. If only because the writers and showrunners showed themselves once again to be willing to lean so heavily on writing crutches. 
I've heard several comparisons between this episode and episodes of Lost, and I can understand the similarity, but to me, uh, Kiksuya is, uh, fell far short of that earlier work. First season Lost episodes were masterful little character sketches welded seamlessly to the wider story. One thing they never used, narration. This isn't an isolated issue. If a catch of the story is the problem in macrocosm, then Lee's tearful scene is the problem in microcosm. It's as though the writers are faced with the question, how will you communicate the complexity of various turns in Akichita's character across 30 years? Easy. We'll have him explain them to the audience. How will we communicate the enormous change that Lee has undergone? Easy. We'll have him explain very directly how he feels to an unresponsive Maeve. Read the audience. It feels like Westworld fans have been so starved for some good old-fashioned conventional storytelling (laughs) that Wendy's now tastes like Five Guys. I love Um, Wendy's. And you could have gone a little higher than Five Guys. Oh, what's your your burger? I mean, I'm sure there are plenty of... I've eaten gourmet burgers at places that I can't remember the names of. Terry's Turf Club for Cincinnati, maybe. Yeah, that was a good one. That was a good one. Um... He parenthetically, parenthetically states, I love Wendy's, but you don't leave there feeling good about your life choices. Uh, Especially when you eat their fries. Their fries are just terrible. Five Guys' fries are kind of terrible, too. They're yeah. mushy potato fries. I, I think I agree with you. Yeah. yeah. Um, I know people love them, um, and they certainly come fresh from Idaho, but this show is extremely interesting, and there's wonderful pieces of writing behind it. I had Five Guys last night. I know of what I speak. <laughs> Uh, but the fine-grained stuff that was always felt as clunky to me as the big-picture stuff has felt smooth. It's like the showrunners created this magnificent, intricate clock, a real wonder to look at as a whole, but if you actually wind it up and set it in motion, the individual pieces make all kinds of unpleasant noises as the gears and wheels turn. You are not wrong, C.M. Mill. Like, you have pierced beyond the veil to see the horror beyond... I just think that there is enough art and artifice layered, executed very well, that I wasn't willing to go there. Mm-hmm. Like, to me, I didn't stop watching Lost because I got tired of the character studies. I stopped yeah. watching Lost because I thought they were fucking with me. And I will maybe start having that, be willing to revisit that conversation if season two finale does not answer questions, as many questions as ans- as, as as it poses. Because that's the thing with Lost. It just kept asking questions and kept asking questions. And, kept, and like, I'd, already, I'd just been through that with X-Files, and I wasn't in the mood for it again. But I, mm-hmm. yeah, like, really quiet character studies now. One excuse for the narration is because, like, it's all this, it's very tied up in this guy's language and culture. And, yes, and I think that excuses it, in my opinion. Yeah, like, none to, of... To a large degree. All of the lost shit was happening in, broadly speaking, Western culture, except for maybe the stuff between the, the Korean... Wasn't it, wasn't it Korean? The guy and his wife? Uh, Jin and Sun. Yeah. yeah, but even that was, like, standard kind of, like, Asian gangster shit. Like, it wasn't breaking new ground, whereas this was a entirely... Like, I've not seen anything like this, you know, like... Every once in a while, uh, you know, uh, fucking, uh, what's Kevin Costner, Dances with Wolves, will take a stab at doing something like this, but yeah. it doesn't happen all the time where you get, like, this really well-realized Native American protagonist, um, and with a twist that he's actually this robot, you know? Shit, I loved it. Yeah, I, I think... So I'm going to say this episode did not connect with me on the same level as the best of television that I've seen. Yeah. Um, I wasn't as emotionally affected by it um, as, let's say, some of the stuff in The Leftovers, but 
that's a really high bar. That, that's like right. such a high bar to me personally that I don't think this had a chance of getting over it. And yeah. I will say that like I understand the criticism that it's very narration heavy and yes. And it's a very straightforward. There's nothing difficult, like I said earlier, about the storytelling here. You're almost like a, you're like you're in grade school. You got your carpet square out. You got your milk, and you're listening to the teacher tell you a story. Yeah, and and I think the only reason that it worked for me on second viewing as well as it did is because I I made that connection to the folklore and the culture, and like right. this is him sitting around telling his tribe a story. You know, yeah. bringing Maeve into the tribe. It's, right. Oh yeah, that's I, a really I think good take. I think it's very important to recognize its place in the culture to really understand the episode and i'm not saying that you don't and i can certainly see if people are bored by this episode because first time i watched it i was having trouble not falling asleep because i was so damn tired that day uh and and it didn't really hook me until the very end so like i get it i just think if you you step back and you look at what it's trying to do it's better than just a lot of narrative yeah a lot of exposition that's uh, had me thinking that like and i'm speaking just purely as an american i have as many bad ideas about like native american culture that were filled in my head by popular culture and like even my education represented by the ghost nation yeah right like so it's not even just trying to tell me an original story it's also kind of like deprogramming me or, or helping me to appreciate an additional layer to this stuff um but it's it is a you know, it is it is an an, an alien culture, um, certainly in a lot me, of yeah. ways. Like, and it's also a, a, a weird time culture because, like, the Americas were separated from the rest of the world for so long that, you know, it's like the one thing I keep belaboring is like the last ten thousand years of culture has been so compressed. Mm-hmm. Like, like humans have existed this way for hundreds of thousands of years, and then something ten thousand years ago where we started planting seeds in the ground and building cities just like really set cultural and technology on fire to where like you look at where like China and 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 Asia and Europe and uh Africa was mm-hmm. they were like such close technological parity and then like you know some of the other cultures kind of pulled away and then over in the Americas they were kind of still doing the things they not to say there weren't great agrarian cultures there cuz like obviously you had the Aztec and Incan empires but you still had these like pockets of hunter gatherers that had no idea that everything else was 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 doing this other thing. That's really cool. Like, mm-hmm. uh, what a you know, and that that shit that will never happen again. Like, there are you know, I still think there's some tribes in like the deep South American jungle that haven't had much contact with the outside world, but like large scale. Yeah. You know, machine guns versus spears and arrows is never going to happen again unless we get in a tussle intergalactic and hopefully (laughs) we'll still have the machine gun and we won't have the bows and arrows and that. But I don't know. Like to me, the ideas are like I I will I will be read to. I will sit and on my carpet square and I will sit my milk if it's this good and this interesting. But you're not wrong. Uh, I have one more non theory crafting email. Uh, Dan S, who is a philosophy Ph.D., uh, has some feedback oh, shit. on uh, well let me correct him here in a second <laughs> <laughs> uh for some feedback for you on the question regarding the identity between humans and their host copies uh in previous casts you discussed whether or not the host version of james delos is actually a continu- continuation of the character or the person of james delos or is a completely new individual or is a host uh, replacement of the real delos or a backup that continues his life after death 
Now we have the same question regarding Dr. Ford's continu- continuation in the cradle. Mm-hmm. In contemporary metaphysics, there are two ways to think about identity over time, endurance and perdurance. Endurance says that all aspects of an individual thing exist at every moment of time the individual exists. Perdurance is the idea that individual objects are like fourth-dimensional space-time worms. The individual does not exist wholly in each moment, but rather each moment of time is only a temporal slice of the individual. Mm. Okay. For humans, you have to add up all those slices from the first when the individual is born to the last when the individual dies, and you've got the whole individual spread out over four dimensions. Mm. Uh, endurantism is usually associated with the views that hold there is something essential to being a human, like a soul, that exists at every moment the individual does. Therefore, if the soul is not transferred to the host, then the original individual is just dead and the host is a new individual. Modern size, uh, science favors perdurantism, and I think Westworld does too at this point. What counts is the identity of the individual human for perdurantism <laughs> is the link between all of a person's mental states over time. Westworld suggests that a human brain can be faithfully backed up digitally. If so, then from the moment they are copied, all of a person's mental states exist in two places, but both retain their history of all mental states that came before. Uh, And you can see the importance that Westworld puts on memories for defining individuals. In In the new host body, those same mental states will have their accompanying history that are linked to new mental states as the host lives on. This totality of mental states, the originals from the human added to the new ones from the host, count as the same individual. And perdurantism, it's completely fine to have two copies of an individual existing at the same time without creating paradoxes. Each moment is only a slice of an individual. That just means that the original human and the host brain have identical pieces of themselves existing at the same time. But since the totality of the pieces over time will be different, you don't have the contradiction that one and the same person exists in two places at once. The question for Westworld are, did the brain copy miss something essential to being a human, or are the copies made prior to the death of the original human? Does the fact that the human lives on and creates new memories after the copy is made mean that the host is a divergent individual since it starts with an incomplete set of mental states? No, I I mean, I I think perturbance makes a lot of sense, um, as you described it. Scientifically, yes. Especially if you're talking about, like, copying someone. Yeah. And making making a second version of them. That's like the Tom Riker from Next Generation. Yeah, uh, he was William Riker, but as soon as he existed, he stopped. He he started diverging from and becoming in his own his own dude. dude. Yeah, and it's hard to say, I guess, which one is William Riker because neither of them are William Riker. They stepped we on the teleporter it. pad and got bifurcated. Right, right, right. Now they're two entirely new beings or and entities, see, whatever. That like, if I was cloning an Aaron and just having him walk in the world. That wouldn't bother me. What bothers me is the idea that, like, I'm going to transfer my consciousness into this Aeron clone, and I see the Aeron clone turn on, and I'm still alive, but then I'm going to die. Because perdurantism essentially says that that is not me. Right. That is a version of me that's going to go on and live its own life, and I am going to cease, which is the terrifying thing about dying. Sure. Yeah. I understand but that. But that, that, that lasts a nanosecond, then I'm dead, and I cease to exist, and I'm erased from the history books, and who gives a shit? And I, I feel like I would like to have uh, – who who was it? Was it Dan? Is that what you said? Uh, his, his PhD in philosophy is uh, Dan. Yes, Dan S. Uh, I'd like to have Dan in the room to ask him a question about, like, human perception because, like, mm. I think, you know, none of this matters in a uh, – philosophical sense you know it doesn't really matter whether 
you know, a person is one person or two people or whatever. Right. But for a human being's perspective and perception of themselves, I think it starts to matter, right, to that person. Cause, yes, cause if, if, but is that my... valid? That's like saying, like, it's like you're getting, like, kind of, like, special relativity where, like, it's all about your reference frame. Like, from yeah, the yeah. reference frame and the clone uh-huh. is just waking up. They but, have no problem seeing this as a continuity from the perspective of the original that's dying. It's fuckers jacking my life, you know? <laughs> yeah, I'm not even talking about, like, trying to decide if I am the person I am uh, or if that thing is me now. Yeah. I- I'm just saying, like, it creates some think some issues that I have to deal with, you know? Like, I, I perceive myself as this one thing mm-hmm. and whatever the philosophy says about it, I still have that perception. So mm. it creates problems for me as a human being. Mm. Um, whereas for the universe, it creates no problems whatsoever. Mm. I understand that. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is like, you know, the whole, cause it could drive me insane. Right. Like I could see that right. and I could go, Oh shit. And that like, now I'm insane. <laughs> right. But it's also like a birth pang because like once you're dead, it's like, yeah. you know, uh-huh. unless the endurance, which is, that's the whole, you know, you got a human soul, and that is, you know, that just seems to be a problematic philosophical. But line. it'd be nice because that's like a token that you can pass. But it's like you know, still yeah, looking, yeah. like that's like uh, that's that's Star Wars idea of like you know when the Emperor's got a clone and he puts his force into it. That's sure. that's the fucking Emperor. There is no like you know the old the, the old husk is remain is is left behind and he inhabits his new body. Like yeah, um, but you know. Many people disagree. I feel like that's not how the universe rolls. Uh-huh. Um, okay, that's it for the non-theory crafting emails. Uh, if you would like to join us on that, just 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 wait a minute. Uh, else, this is where the podcast adventure ends. We will be back this week for uh, this weekend on Saturday, Sunday night, like we always are for the Instant Talk podcast. If you'd like to join us for that, we'll be back for the full podcast as always on next Tuesday. Um, and uh, send us your feedback to Westworld at baldmove.com. And until next time, I'm Aaron. I'm Jim. We'll see you in the spoilers. God damn it. The theory crafting. The speculation. The making shit up section of this podcast. Yeah, this is it. If you haven't turned it off by now, this is where ev- shit out every- of luck. everybody get their infrared goggles out and your ghost busting gear. We're going to go through the haunted mansion and try to see yeah. where all the monsters are going to jump out. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, okay. I had perhaps a unique organic thought. This morning, that's not possible. I humans don't have those. I, Only Reddit I, if has it's those. On, if it's on Face, if it's on, I don't give a shit about internet points. So <laughs> if it's on Reddit, then then I yeah, the, I I miss my one in a million uh, unique thought here. Uh, but Akicha is saying you truly die when the last person who remembers you dies. That seems like it has a uniquely impactful meaning in Westworld, where they've established these fidelity tests that. If one person remembers you, they can simulate you against that person and bring a version of you back. Yeah. Uh, oh, shit. Is that why he's telling Stubbs that? They're going to bring Stubbs back as a host? Or, or is he already a host? I, I I don't know, but it means it it, it means it means something mm-hmm. um, that it's because, like, there's a couple ways it could mean. The benevolent way is that you know um well i guess the malevolent way is dolores says they're truly free but 
if their brains can be removed and put back into a cradle and re-simulated from seed, then they can be re-enslaved even though they think they're free. That's the dark, hmm. the dark version. The less dark version is as long as there's some person that remembers no, that that remembers you that you can have a version of life. But like, with respect to what our philosopher friend was saying just a moment ago, what does that even mean? Like, say I die now, and like there, you reconstruct a version of me from the podcast that I've left behind. Mm-hmm. That would be a pretty pro- like, there's thousands and thousands of hours of me fucking talking in these podcasts. So you could probably reconstruct a pretty good version of the Aaron that's on a podcast, which is pretty close to. My real life, I'm 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 a little bit maybe amped up in certain areas, and I'm a little but but like, would it fool my wife? Would it fool my son? Would it fool you? Probably not. I don't know. I mean, if someone has perfect memory and is able over the course of many years to work on a version of you, an artificial version of you, right. then maybe, maybe I could see it. I wonder if that's also the hint that like you know Ford's not going anywhere because there's enough there's enough robots that have memory of him that he's going to count on Dolores and Bernard to bring him back even if he like fragments and disassociates. I feel like Maybe. that's, a, that's, that's, I, that's I, you're not wrong. Yeah, I, I feel like that has got to be the reason Akichita was saying that to Stubbs. I don't know what the application is, but I think mm-hmm. that's the that's 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 important to realize that you, you that that is supposed to be understood in context of these fidelity tests. That's all. Yeah. Um, also, I want to talk about Man in Black equals a host. Uh, how are you feeling about that this week? This 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 uh, this week? Because I mean, he's not dead. Uh, and, he, and he's just got shot. He's got four. He's all three of his four limbs got shot up. Plus, he took a shot right dead center to his chest. I don't know. I don't know, man. I. It seems to me that this is all happening over the course of like an hour. Hmm. Maybe. I thought a day had passed. Why do I think? I why, but why do I think a I day has passed? I don't think a day has passed. He's been telling the daughter this single story the whole time. Yeah, you're right. And, and he that was picks daylight, Man in Black up during daylight. We yeah. haven't had a day-night cycle in this particular timeline. No. Okay, you might be right. So it doesn't seem like much time has passed. I, maybe a human can survive. I don't know. Yeah, and he's he's on death's door. He is. Like yeah. like he's like you're not gonna do, you're not, you're not gonna do this. And then he just you know I um, think this horse ride is gonna kill him. <laughs> you think so? Like yeah. that's not a that's not what you that's not how you transfer a critical patient. No. Um, but they're also he, they also are explicitly saying they're healing him. So maybe the the Native Americans have some kind of you know tech that to, to, to keep him alive. Mm-hmm. But also the fact that. To me, um, this this episode realization that the door, like I had, I had assumed that the door was a game for humans to play, but Ford says it's a game for hosts to play, and now it feels less like this is a special game for you, William, rather than this is a game for all the hosts, and now you can join in. Tells hmm. me that there's two primary branches of this theory if you look on the internet there's one that says that the man in black committed suicide after his wife committed suicide and he's been dead for maybe up to a year mm-hmm. the one that i favor is that he was captured alive during the um the rampage where all the naked hosts came out of the ground and and and, and killed the, you know when the destroyer came back mm-hmm. that he has been spirited away and he's still alive and he's going to be forced to meet with 
the real William the real William's going to come come face to face with his the android version and it's going I guess to, my question would have been uh, would be who would have done that Ford how would he have done that with Bernard Although we know Bernard, Bernard is at the okay, you're right. Bernard you're is right. at the the thing. He goes into the barn with Hale afterward. Like right. I don't think he ever hooks up with Man in Black. You're right. We we he's accounted for. I mean, he I think Ford could get the host to pick up Man in Black, but sure. I just yeah, it depends on how much control Ford has. But here's the other thing: is we there is a 3D printed body mm-hmm. in Ford's laboratory that was unaccounted for. Yeah, and it would make sense that. That is act, that like I, I think we're going to understand that he was pre 3D printing William's body, and that there's two memories that Bernard has of retrieving a marble. One was for the man in black. One was for Ford. Hmm. Or maybe Ford just took care of himself before that, and we are misunderstanding that the Ford marble was actually the man in black marble being installed in, in William's body. And I think where they're going with that is that's you're going to have this bifurcation where you've got the human version of William that may well still be consumed with hatred and regret for what he's done, but you're going to have the host version of William that kind of, like, realizes that, like, oh, shit, my anger and rage at Dolores was entirely misplaced because, you know, it's not that our love wasn't real. It's just that she was being fucked with and had no idea. There's no way she could possibly have have known that in the same way that I was completely ignorant of my own, the reality of my own world. And he'll be a protagonist for seasons to come. Hmm. That's a lot. That is a lot. (laughs) That is a lot. Uh, Thoughts? Holes? I mean, I don't have any holes in it per se. It's just... I guess I'm I'm just not yet convinced, but I will say that I feel like I can say something about the trailer for the next episode here in the speculation okay, section. I don't think I oh have I no, okay, I did see the trailer. Uh let's let's talk it's about it. It's gonna be it. Man in Black heavy. Yes. It looks like it's almost a a Kichita as Man in Black. And like, since they're like binary opposites in their yeah. origins and the reaction to that, that would make a lot of sense that you've got like it's the it's like the the black album, the white album, you know. Right. I mean, we see him in a what looks like a hotel or a ballroom or something. Right. Uh it looks like there's gonna be more about his wife. Yep. Uh that kind of stuff. So Which is Celia Ward, I think. Uh it looks like she hasn't fucking aged since the uh <laughs> uh you know, uh, the one our man killed her in. Yeah, what's the fucking fugitive. fugitive? The fugitive. Thank you. Yeah, so I'm. I think I'm excited for that. I do hope that it ties in heavily to the plot that's going on right now yeah. as well. Because if we get to episode ten and that's all left for right the final episode, I'm gonna be scratching my head a little. Although well, the they do did, a lot of I, heavy lifting in the season. I was one about finale. to use those exact same words. Season yeah. one finale did a fuck ton of heavy lifting. It did. And we were kind of like arms crossed, eyes narrowed, waiting for it to impress us, and it did. Yeah. So I think having two like like equal and opposite yin yang chapters that lead up to that would be fucking sweet. And I, I do think like the man in black being a host idea has some legs, just because they have to do something really important next week with right. man in black. Right. Um. And that could be. Very important development for him. Right. It could also just be an emotional story. But it's so weird because like like I, I don't know why. Now I have a question about Emily and her purpose in the story. Because to me, if they were telling the story of the man in black coming face to face with the robot version of the man in black, you would leave him with Akichita because he's going to the valley beyond. Mm-hmm. And that would be a natural outcome of that destination. His 
daughter's probably taking her to taking him to the, the, the shore. Port. I don't know. Yeah, the, the <laughs> yeah. beach to, to get the fuck out of here. And like, is he going to have a second wind where he like escapes from her again? I don't know. <laughs> if that's, he does, that's, he's a host. To me, that's the biggest problem I have is with the theory is that it does seem very plausible that that might happen. Mm-hmm. That that she's taking him to cross purposes, and I don't know. Maybe she's a fucking android too. Uh, we can bring that hoary old theory back. Um, I don't know. Uh, shall we go to some feedback? Did you have any other theories that you want to talk about? No, nothing organic. Um, because Line L, which could be Linnae L, or it could be Lionel, like Thundercats Ho. Uh, she <laughs> wrote go with Richie, but okay. <laughs> she, yeah, yeah, that too. Lionel Richie. <laughs> uh, she wrote, I really like the theory from last episode regarding William being a host and seeing his human body when he opens the door. I like this so much, in fact, I've been thinking about it all week. Me too. <laughs> Suddenly it dawned on me that there might be a flaw in it. Part of the reason oh, why sure. I like it is that William could become an ally for the host. However, it would be host William who would be the ally, not human William. All right? I've fallen you so far. If host William realizes he's a host and didn't know, will that mean anything to human William? And if host William is to be an ally, what will happen to human William? Can they both live on? Uh, that's a good question. Because I guess if you put it to me, I would say that the outcome of the finale would be host William kills his human self. Because I don't think that both of them can live. Or if they do, then human William would probably certainly be a villain, right? I would think so. I mean, they would have to have a drastic change of heart because to not make it so. Like the like like the realization that host William is a host and didn't know it, I think would be profound. Mm-hmm. The real the, the, the have a host thrown into your face as a human and you have yeah. you've just been held hostage for two weeks or whatever doesn't sound like a formative experience. Or if it is, it's something that's going to make you hate these things even more. Seems like it, yeah. Like, how dare you have this garish imitation of me stomping around, interacting with my dog. It'd just make you even more pissed off at him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but I don't know. Um, TJB. Uh, okay, here's here's the theory I was alluding to. Maven Can, Kohana. Let me, let me ask this you is this. The, this is the Mohana, uh, Moana theory. Uh, let me, let me okay. insert one other point where it might be interesting to turn the man in black into a host. Okay. It's somewhere before his wife commits suicide. Before? What, what if he comes into this uh, next episode and something jogs his memory as a host? He now has access to those old memories mm-hmm. of who he was. And it turns out that his cornerstone image has been, or his cornerstone memory has been changed from his own suicide to his wife's suicide <laughs> and he's the one in the tub yeah that i mean <laughs> that's kind of goes back to one of the very earlier theories that that i think there was a theory about like that somewhere around episode circa episode three mm-hmm. the people were speculating that it wasn't his wife in the tub and it was something hmm. else and you know okay so like that's not and there's the the, the other branches that the man in black might have killed himself right after that um i don't know or maybe i mean there's so many different know. combinations like maybe there emily's are, yeah. the one that killed herself and it's it's right. actually 
you know. And then she's the host. Yeah, of course. How many people are hosts? How many aren't? Um, <laughs> anyway, back to TJB with the, the, Moana, the, theory. the Moana theory. The Maeve and Kohana are the same person. Uh, thoughts? I'm almost disappointed you didn't catch that in your instant take. She repeats the line Kohana says to him at the end of the episode. I don't hate this theory. Uh-huh. Like that instead of getting rid of instead of programming Maeve from scratch, they just took uh, Kohana's brain core and threw it in a different body and similar to what they did to Akichita, just like leave the old shit in there and and de-emphasize the stuff you don't need and roll with it. And like his loss of his wife became her loss of his daughter. Because that's the thing, like well, we do know that she was in the family-friendly part of the park and men in black rolled up and butchered her. Like, Mm -hmm. both the man in black and Maeve attest to that. So I... I'm, I don't like I said I don't hate this theory, but the only the only evidence seems to be that they both said the same line, and to me, that's just Maeve speaking this guy's language yeah. and 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 saying something profound like profoundly meaningful to them both after they've sh- had this shared this this mind mind meld. Yep, essentially, I agree with you. Um, I mean, it wouldn't it wouldn't kill me if it happened, right? But, but yeah, I, do, I don't think that's what's going on here. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I, there's there's some emails that had a little bit more like to this, but like it all seemed very kind of thin. And again, I feel like if we if you go too far down these rabbit holes of like, it, you know, making some people other people, or specifically, let's talk specifically about this scene. Mm-hmm. I feel like that would shortchange the ending of this episode a little bit. To to say that, How so? hey, it's not this emotional connection that they formed here, but it's actually like. A the technology, right? Yeah. Like the, the the technology in this episode is the boring part of the the episode. Right. Nobody needs to ask how. Oh, how's the mesh network working? Like, what parts of her daughter is she taking over? Can she just hear? Can she see? Like, none of that is interesting, right? It's all about the emotional impact of it. Yeah. And to me, like putting more layers on it just short changes that emotional flair. And it's fundamentally less interesting for someone to rediscover. I mean, it kind of it also somewhat cheapens Akichita's storyline that he had this like Christ moment where he realized it's not all about me; it's about all of everyone and yeah. how much everyone else is lost and how can I redeem that. Um, whereas he just finds Maeve and realizes it's as actually as his wife. Like, yeah, it's, it's not as impactful, or it's a different. It's a it's just a different story, mm-hmm. and that's where like I just thematically it doesn't seem like it makes sense for me. They're, they're kindred spirits in the same way that Akane and Maeve are kindred spirits. But that was like, and almost like that makes the um, Akane no Mai episode a little bit better in retrospect because that taught us these kind of like symmetry. And this was like a literal, like it's literally Lee copied Westworld and this is the exact same character. This is different. It's the same character. They're, they're, they're complements of each other, but they're not <laughs> literally the same character. So... I guess you would have to say that now there are two Kohanas. If you think that Maeve is Kohana, then just as much Akane is Kohana, right? I sure, I guess. Yeah, you're right. You're <laughs> yeah. right. There would kind right. of be two we're, Kohanas. We're starting now. to get Rick and Morty levels of like, you know, you've got infinite multiverse <laughs> of Kohanas and who get they're none of them are really that special, aren't yeah. they? 
Uh, Jenna W., final email. Dalos Surgeon Guy talking to Maeve, uh, and Hale says nobody in the entire park has been able to regain admin access except for her. She's out there reprogramming fo- hosts on the fly. On the fly, get it? Like insect flies? Oh, Could the God. writers be telling us something here? She's reprogramming. <laughs> the mesh network is the fly net. Yeah. It is weird that they made a big point last year of in the meta game talking about the only living characters in Westworld besides the guests were flies. Mm-hmm. Like, all the scorpions are robots, bedbugs, uh, dust mites, yeah. beetles. It, I guess it's weird to single out flies. Yeah. But like if they said insects, I know why they did it. If they it's said just, insects, yeah. I'd buy it. Like, okay, because mm-hmm. those are the, the – everything there's, – there's not a lot of micro-mammalian life. Like, you can just leave mm-hmm. out the rats. Nobody would notice, you know. You get it to snakes and rabbits. Okay, make them robots. Why not? <laughs> um, but, yeah, yeah. I, th- I, I don't know. To me, like, I, I think, you know, obviously Jenna here is, is joking, but yeah. I do think there's a difference. At some point, metaphor is just metaphor. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to to, to mean everything. Um, I'm not, I wouldn't be bummed out if it if the metaphor is explicit later on, but like I don't think it has to be like that. And in fact, if every metaphor has to pay off in a big way, that that down that way lies madness. Yeah, like so many of the series I've seen where everything has to be you know, because this show is so careful and so smart, it's not allowed to make mistakes or just have a a similar <laughs> metaphor. No, 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 no. No, they they still do. They still get to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's it. Uh, kind of somewhat surprised there weren't more kind of like big overarching like like theory of why the ghost tribe is abducting humans, but I didn't see mm-hmm. any. Yeah, um, I didn't either. And like the the one that I made up on the fly is just that like they're trying to be the good guys. Like they're trying to be the, they're trying to be the X Men to the to Dolores's Brotherhood of Evil Robots. So yeah. Sisterhood of Evil Robots. I should say. Uh, that's it. Again, Westworld at BaldMove.com. If you got your theories, you go on a st- you got, st- got to get stuff off your chest. We'll consider more of that next week uh, for the true penultimate episode. Uh, until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya.